everybody. Welcome. It's January 12th, 2019, and live from the Troyly Design Saloon, it's the Whiskey Throttle Show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got suspension guru from Pro Circuit for years and years, Jim Bones Bacon. Uh, call him Jim Bacon. I mean, people might not know who you're talking about. When you say bones <laughs> in this industry, everybody knows who that is. Um, he's not big on these things. He's a little bit nervous about coming on today, but uh, we've got him some liquid courage, and we've talked him into it. It's going to be nice and mellow. Uh, so we got Bones here. We're excited to talk to him. Uh, we've also got our normal features, the Method Race Wheels front end chatter, PowerDot bringing us uh, our featured guest, our Decal Works last call uh, session. We've got that coming up today with uh, a special guest. Our four-wheel parts, get at me Q&A. Send in your questions. We'll answer them for you here. Uh, also want to thank Troyly Designs and Dunlop Tires. I uh, really got behind this show from the very beginning, and I appreciate it. I want to introduce my partner up here, my co-host, um, multi-time national and supercross champion, Grant Langston. Welcome to the show, buddy. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm uh, excited to have Bones, a personal friend, and I think someone that, um, you know, maybe the average fan may not know much about Bones, but I think once we get through this interview, they'll be quite fascinated with his story and history, which is uh, kind of cool, a little bit different, not a racer like we've had on the previous two shows, but still a legend of the sport. Absolutely. And he just announced his retirement this year, so the, the timing was just right. He doesn't like to do a lot of these interviews. He, he's just not really comfortable with it, so you haven't seen or heard a lot from him. But Which makes it even cooler. It does make yeah, it cooler. And his story is really interesting. Um, this guy's been involved with uh, an incredible list of people. I want to try to get that posted on our website uh, so you can look at this list, but it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so anxious to talk to him. Other half here, Donnie Bales, our producer. Donnie, welcome. Well, what's up, buddy? How are you guys doing? Ready to go. Yeah, I'm excited about this too. I like hearing uh, guys in the industry that, I mean, I like hearing racers too, but hearing guys that uh, are deep in the industry and have a lot of knowledge of, of the inner workings of it is really exciting to me. Well, you know, thanks to people like Bones, you, you crash half as much as you used to, so you've got to really give them some respect for that. You can, you can get around a track without, you know, hitting cactuses, you know, God forbid. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't want that to happen. Again. Again. Well, the great thing is, what, what I love, and I think a lot of the guys watching this, they love the stories. They love the behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff that you don't hear about, you don't get to see. And, man, talk about a guy who was privy to just decades and decades of off-road, motocross, supercross, you name Super it. Moto, he's, he's built, he's built stuff. For yeah. So anyway, excited to get him on. Um, I do want to mention a couple of things. Um, we are giving away a bunch of stuff here on this show. You can go right now and get signed up to win a free PowerDot Um Go to our website. There is a um, form you can fill out on there. It's just basic information. It'll say enter to win here. We're giving away a PowerDot every show. You can, you can go to PowerDot and just buy one. Type in the code Whiskey Throttle and get 20% off, uh, which is a smoking deal. Uh, and also, by getting on that page and entering, you're also entered to win the Method Race Wheels Dirt Fish Rally Driving School that we're going to be giving away here this spring. You're not going to want to miss this. Like, definitely get your name in. This is a bucket list type of deal, right? I know. I if I don't get to go with, I'm going to be really bitter. No, we're in. No, I've already, <laughs> it's already confirmed. You just, and I are just, going. Just my luck, I'll have something that weekend. But No, nothing. No, it'll be cool. Yeah. And hopefully we get to go with the guest. And, you know, more often than not, the guest that really wants to win it does win it. And um, if you get a chance, go look it up. It's pretty neat. And Method, giving us this opportunity, I think, is uh, off the charts, That's, really. Yeah. That school is next level. It is, oh, it's insane. It is, like, it is the premier rally driving school. There's nothing else like it. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'm stoked out of my mind. When they started talking about it, and he goes, oh, yeah, we'll get you in jail up there. Maybe we yeah, can right. give a seat away. I'm like, yes, <laughs> whatever it takes to make that happen. So Clear the books, folks. Oh, I'm stoked on this thing. So go to our webpage, 
whiskeythrottleshow.com. Get signed up. You are going to win some stuff. We're giving away tickets. DecalWorks is going to give away 10 tickets to the next live show. Uh, you, can, you can win those on there as well. So that's kind of your place to go and sign up to win, all right? Um, let's just jump right into it then with our front, uh, front wheel, front end shatter here by Method Race Wheels. Method Race Wheels building the toughest, lightest wheels for the off-road consumer, whether that's a truck, a sprinter van, a UTV, doesn't matter, truck, whatever you got, they build wheels for it, and they're insane. They're race-proven. These guys have won. If you race it off-road, they've won it. Um, Baja, short truck. They usually dominate those those events, yeah. Yeah, they are the premier um, wheel company. So we're stoked they're on board with us. Uh, These guys are great. And like I said, giving away amazing prizes. We're going to do that once in the spring. We'll do it again end of summer. So um, I don't know if we could go twice, but... (laughs) Don't, don't have to twist my rubber arm. Yeah, on. same I'll here. There in hard same here. Um, okay, so a couple of things we want to talk about today um, as we roll into the second round of the Supercross series. Something that came out of Anaheim was uh, Adam Cianciarillo's pass on RJ Hampshire and the subsequent retaliation in the next turn that left AC on the ground. What are your thoughts on that whole move? Yeah, well, it, it was kind of funny because you couldn't get away from it. Every time you went on social media, I feel like that was everyone's outreach off the race was, what's your opinion? Comment below. And as you can imagine, just a long list, a mixed bag of, of emotions there. And, you know, I, I, I try to th- think about it over and over. And then people ask me, you know, you were a racer, you were involved, whatever. What's your thoughts? And it, it, it always comes back to, it's tough in the sense that you're racist, you're emotional, you're fired up. Since Rayla's pass on Hampshire, yeah, he ran him up a little bit. As a racer, did that get me fired up if I'm Hampshire? Yeah. Would I have done something in the next turn? Probably. Was it justified? Maybe not. Um, so I think this is where, you know, especially in Supercross with such tight turns, we've gotten to now where aggressive riding is part of the game, but the problem is it, there's a lot of these hangovers. Someone does something, it's like, I owe him. You know, I've got his number. And, you know, over time, it sort of fixes itself. And sometimes the officials have to get involved. Um, But being round one, I thought, you know, for Hampshire, you know, Cincerello may not say how he really feels in public about Hampshire. But deep down, he's got that mental note. So, you know, as a fan, you're always like, when's that retaliation going to come? Or is he going to move on it? But um, I think it was aggressive. I think Hampshire made a statement. Um... Cincerello didn't didn't bash him afterwards or anything like to that that credit. I saw. I thought yeah. that was cool. You know, and and I think a true racer will sort it out in the track, but I got a feeling that this is long from over. Yeah, you're probably right. And the, the thing that's interesting, anytime there's an opening round, the the top guys are all trying to sort of posture and 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 puff it's like up. Like being the and, dominant male. Yeah, almost, who's you know? going to be the, the leader of the pack? Yeah. So I think that Adam wanted to assert that, hey, I'm passing you, and I'm going to not leave you any room. I think he screwed. I think that's the way it looked to me. It looked like he took him so high, he thought, okay, there's no way he's going to turn and make a good run at these yeah. I'm not even worried about him being there. Meanwhile, RJ managed to get through him all right and, and came he inside. Got a, I, I watched that again. You're right. He pinched him, but somehow when he came down, it seemed out of pure frustration. He just <laughs> matted <laughs> yeah. the whoops. Like it looked yeah. like there was some intent there. And you, you know, you, I always would try to be careful. Because like you said, I would, t- I would, if I made a block pass, I'd leave enough room for the guy to stay upright. Uh, the minute you start leaving him nowhere to go or he crashes or, or he feels like, man, that dude was trying to take me out, that's when I would get pissed. Yeah. If, if it was a solid block pass, but you left me room, I was like, ah, damn it. All right, I left the door open or this guy just passed me. 
when someone does you dirty, that's when it's going to come back on you. And, and I just don't think Adam expected him to be there. Yeah. He still should have covered in, in his inside a little bit better, in my opinion, but uh, I, it cost him again. I also think, too, though, when you watch it, the way the track was forming in the ruts, when Adam went to make the block pass, it's one of those things he was going across the ruts. And I, and I looked, and I think if he, knowing him, I think if he had a chance to turn earlier, like basically stay a little lower, I think he would have. But when you're going across those ruts, you can't turn diagonally across point, them. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, your front could knife and you crash. So I think he rode RJ higher than he would uh, normally. Because I don't, the Sensorella is not out there looking for no. contact, in my opinion. He's someone that's looking to win. And he went to make a pass that was going to help him win. I think the way he did it, I think RJ took it personally, like, you really, you yeah. ran me to the bales? Yeah. And he came back and retaliated. And, and that's what's going to happen in racing. And they may or may not talk about it off the track. But I still think that, you know, with a bunch of racing left to go, this is not the last yeah. machine of it. We'll probably see those two bikes come together again. And don't get everyone excited. The minute they see those two together, it's going to be like, hey, watch this. Check this yeah. out. <laughs> Something's well, going to happen. Well, Adam was uh, just a a disaster that first half of that race. I, I mean, I know he was excited. The first turn, I think, flustered him when he, he went off there. But he was off the track down the third baseline lane. Yep. He, I mean, he was a mess. Um, he, he seemed a little overexcited. I yeah. think that someone that's had so much hype in that, he thinks, this is my year. I'm going to go I've win. I've got to win. Yeah. And, and Bones even said it before the show, and I think it's something we all kind of uh, would agree on, is, you know, he was almost the epitome of the... You can't win the championship at the first race, but you can lose it. And fortunately, it didn't, you know, he didn't lose that many points. Uh, he was fifth, right? Fifth. After yeah. the back and forth. Yeah. Top five is still pretty decent. Um, fastest guy, in my opinion, on the track. But maybe with that race out of the way, there was the weather. You know, you got all this going on. Maybe with going into Phoenix, he'll be able to calm down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's definitely riding great. So I'm anxious to see how Phoenix goes for him. Um, next question I want to talk about is, is their winners, uh, Colt Nichols and Justin Barsha, I would say definitely not the two favored riders to win. Uh, rain does change things up, but man, what an absolutely flawless ride from Colt Nichols. Not a mistake that whole race. He hit the jumps yep. every lap. That double, double that was technical across, you know, sort of the start straight. <coughs> I mean, he really, I don't want to say he shocked me, but. He kind of did shock me a little bit. I mean, we've seen him ride. He's a good rider. He's on a factory team. He's got a good program. He works at Swanepoel. He's really built off things. And when you watch him, he's a very smooth technical rider. What I'd like to consider a Supercross-styled rider, you know, more so than an outdoor guy. Um, but he got a good start. And you would have never thought – I mean, he looked like automatic. He was like a computer out there. Yeah. I mean, like you said, for those track conditions. I mean, you watched him and it was – I mean, I didn't have a uh, you know the lap times in front of me, but just physically watching him, it was just like wow, that was robotic. I mean, he was just 15 minutes plus one lap, flawless, and it it was it was actually shocking to me at how flawless he was in those conditions, especially. I mean, I've seen guys do those kind of motos when it's a one and the track's primo, but I mean, he, it didn't bother him at all. And, and I started thinking, has he ridden a lot in the in the mud? Like, kind of where did this come from? But you know, they say a good start can help a lot. It really bred the confidence, and you could see it. Yeah, and he's an Oklahoma boy, so I'm sure he's used to that greasy stuff. But even still, that was 15 or 16 perfect laps. So uh, it's going to be fun to see to moving him. forward because you know now you go to Phoenix, um, you know covered stadium. You know weather won't be an issue. So 
I almost feel like, you know, it's maybe resetting things like how's it going to be. But when you ride that good in those conditions, you're going to ride as good in the dry. Yeah. But I think the dry will bring other players back up to the front, meaning it'll be a, it'll be a cluster at the front yeah, of the championship no, I, pile. I, it's going to be a fight. I'm anxious to watch it. But, but there's no doubt uh, Colt Nichols is here to, to play. And uh, that was yeah. fun to see. Justin Barsha, again, amazing. Um, he showed these flashes of speed. And it's a really good story, him, him kind of hitting bottom. Yeah. Beginning of last year and then now rebuilding. And boy, what a great story. I think with Bosch, uh, um, I, for me, I was a little less surprised at him. Um, Bosch is, a, in my opinion, a very confident rider. Uh, mentally, not a lot gets to him. And if they did, <laughs> he would maybe ride le less aggressive. But people say, man, you know, I've seen journalists say he's dirty. He d it doesn't phase him. He said, no, 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 I ride really hard, and I'll ride everyone hard for every position on every lap, not the last lap for a win. It, it could be halfway through the motor for fourth place. I'll smash you if I have to. And it's hard to fault that, right? I and mean, how do you... How I respect you, that, yeah. you know, and, and you live by the sword, die by the sword, because you, there's other riders on the track that aren't Bam Bam fans, but you watch him early in that main event. He made a statement. I mean, he pushed <laughs> yeah. his way through. The way he passed Jason Anderson, I was like, oh, my goodness. Anderson luckily was far enough back because Bosch's rear end was coming around. Yeah. And he was a man on a mission. And But, you know, being from New York, and I've seen him ride in the mud, and he's always been that good. But once again for him, kind of next level again yeah, this year. Yeah, it was, it was impressive. Hey, I want to tell you that, uh, that I, call, I called it. I told two buddies that Barsha would win that night. I predicted a podium. When we said, who do you think the podium? I said, no particular order. I had Bosch on the podium. I literally went all for... 100% that he was going to win. I, I don't know why. I just said Well, I'll tell you this. He looked good all day. It wasn't yeah. just the mud. No. Yeah. He looked great in the dry and the qualifying all day. He gets out early in practice. He lays the laps. He put them down. You watch him. He, he, he yep. was a guy there that was really there to do a job. Yeah. And, and in my opinion, if people said, how do you think he's going to do? I, he would have said, I'm here to win. And he rode just like that. He didn't say it. He actually showed that. Haven't yeah. you noticed that, that, like, since he's been married, like, really, since he's been married, he's showed another level of maturity. That is something that... He's like a, he's becoming a classy Englishman. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he married the chippy, uh, and now he's, uh, you know... Even when he was talking in the press conference after, he, after the race, he was looking at every reporter and responding to them, directly to them, and not looking around. He was very intent at what he was saying after the race. Hmm. Well, very impressive. I'm, it, it makes me more excited to watch uh, the weekends coming up. Um, makes things even seem more unpredictable. I mean, Anderson, let's be honest. Was well, let's talk about pathetic. Jason Anderson real quick. I mean, that was a rough opening round from a champion. I, I don't know that I've ever seen the number one plate look that heavy. Yeah. Unless there's something going on that we don't know about, an injury or something, but it doesn't seem that way. He didn't. It just seems like he... Didn't feel good all day. It, it, it didn't look like he was really in a rhythm, but he was going okay. And then whatever little rhythm he had seemed to go out of the window. And I was trying to figure out, did he have mud in his eyes? Like you said, did he just go in the wrong direction with bike setup? But you could tell that was not a Jason Anderson. You could tell about his, his, his style, his technique. He just looked like he became a recluse, you know, just really... And he just went backwards. In fact, I was so busy watching all the yo-yo battles at the front being there live... I didn't realize how far back he dropped because I yeah. said the same thing that you said. Did he crash? I thought he crashed when and, I saw and, the results. And, and, yeah. and, and, and um, we might be wrong, but we've been told he did not crash. Um, so rough start the season. You, do you write him off? Absolutely not. But I'm, I'm, I've heard some rumors that he might not be 100% happy with his bike. 
Well, we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be interesting to see. But you know what they say, a podium can fix every little problem real quick. Well, this is the thing that's exciting to me about Nichols and Barsha. It's been so long for Barsha since he's won and Colt's never won. What does that do for their confidence now going forward? If they were they were players coming in now, geez, yeah. you got a wind behind you, kind of blowing wind in your sails. Should be interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to get in to our featured guest today. Bones, come on up here, ladies and gentlemen. Bones from Pro Circuit coming up. Uh, he is brought to you by PowerDot. And uh, if you haven't checked these things out yet, go to PowerDot.com. Have a look at these things. Um, they're incredible. This is as far as training, recovery, oh, injury yeah. management. Mountains of blue, baby. Cracking the cold one. Um, they're next level. Check out powerdot.com. You guys will not be disappointed. Um, and if you want to buy one, go to type in whiskey throttle uh, and your code on the checkout. You'll get twenty percent off. Um, at powerdot. When you really look at the value of these things, it's 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 worth every single penny. And I'll tell you, someone that. Even if you hadn't had a lot of injuries, just a massage mode, I'm oh, telling you. So nice. <laughs> you spend 100 bucks a massage with our code. It's 240 for the duo, and it does everything. And, they give, and I think now they've got a special that gives you six extra sets of pads, which means you should have more than a year's worth yeah. of that. So Yeah, it's a great deal. Trust me on this one. Bones, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. sure you are. You yeah. lying bastard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of, I'm a little nervous, but i got some liquid courage. There, there we go. go. Cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers. The mounds are blue, which means Listen. we're all ready to go, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's just three friends talking. All That's right, all we're doing. All right. And uh, shoot, speaking of that, we've all known each other for a minute. I mean, Grant, ever since you came here in 01, we were teammates. We I've known you together. since 94. Oof. Okay. I mean, we are old. Yeah. That is, that is scary. <laughs> The first, uh, first year I was racing pro as a Suzuki support guy, and I had this hodgepodge of stuff. This guy from Phoenix was building my bikes. Mm. Uh, Bill was doing our pipes. I had race tech suspension. I, I mean, I had all this mixed match stuff, right? And Randy Lawrence was my mechanic that year, and he goes, mm. dude, will you just try this bike that Pro Circuit built? It's like done. I know it's good. So we went out with Buddy Morgan. Oh, wow. And went buddy. to this little uh, <laughs> track, and we passed Bill's pipes. <laughs> oh, and Buddy goes, oh, wave hi to Bill as we're on our way to go ride this pro circuit bike. <laughs> uh, but it was just a customer bike that you guys built, and it was night and day better than what I had. So mm. anyway, so began my, well, my... My first memory was, I'm like, this guy does not like me. Huh. And he... <laughs> you remember when we were here, it was the whole KTM oh, pro wow. circuit, and there wasn't the friendliest of rivalries ever, and... Um, I used to think, I'm like, man, that tall guy they call Bones, I'm like, he's a dick. Like, he won't, he just walk past and keep his head down and walk. And I'm like, we'll never be friends. <laughs> and here we are. Yep. Well, tell you, us me- a- you remember the first time you rode our bike at Glen Helen that day? Yep. <laughs> well, I want to hear about that. Let me hear that story. That's a good story. Or can you tell it? No, I was just, oh, I, w- I was, well, at that time I was, I had not ridden for a while because with not being on the KTM, I was dealing with some carpal tunnel issues. And I showed up and I was overweight, <laughs> out of shape, hadn't ridden, kind of, I don't know if I lied about it, but I didn't really ex- <laughs> expose too much. And they saw me and they're like, <laughs> can we weigh you real quick so we can get the settings right? That was one of the first things. Like, I'm going to need to do a spring swap. Yeah, yeah, Actually, uh, weight ping today, by the way. Yeah. He, he, he made me get on the scale. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm telling you, I'm 170. Get on the scale. <laughs> 173. Well, the scale you had to, we have to uh, 
kind of fudge it a little bit. That's got to be on four pounds to begin with ever since I made Eric Sorby stand on it one day at the Cowie track, and he got mad because of what it said, and then he smashed it with his foot. So, And it's been stuck there. Every day since then, we have to put it on four pounds for to, that's calibrated. Four pounds is calibrated. Yeah. Maybe just buy a new scale. No, no, no. No? No, no, no. no. Okay. No. Not but let's so, finish that story. Real quick. Yeah, I actually want to hear this. So, <laughs> so what you were was your contract with KTM expiring? I'm trying to remember the details. I think it, it has to do with di- it has to do with Dino. Yeah, I know Dino was my. I'll, I'll for the finish first time. it then. So, GL shows up to ride her bike for the first day at Glenhill, and we all kind of mingle. I didn't and, know Dino at the time, right? But Dino's his guy. Yeah, we all know Dino. Love him to death, big guy, but he he will do anything for anybody. Like, now he's GL's mechanic, right? So we're all at Glen Helen up on the REM side, if anybody's ever been there. It's a big bank. You know, we always go up there to test. You can look down and see the whole track. But there's, what, 40, 60-foot wall down to the track. He remembers now. Yep. So we're all standing there watching GL ride the bike, and GL's ripping. Like, he's, like, we're all standing there. This is awesome. Two, two, uh, four-stroke, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Four okay. stroke is okay. the 05? Into 04. Okay. So it was the first okay. yeah. Well, it was the 05 model yeah, that yeah. we're okay. trying. So we're standing up there. Everything's going good. GL falls, right? Not a big fall, but he falls and he knocks the wind out of himself. That's all there was. But he's laying there in the dirt. And we're like, oh, crap. You know, we're going to take off running, right? Go help him. Well, we're standing at this edge of this bank. You know the I, bank. Yeah. So I take off to the right, and, and there's a ramp you can run down once you get there, or you Someone else took off to the left, and it tapers down. down. You can go around. So we all kind of get to the same point where GL's laying on the ground, right? Well, Dino's already there. And and the first thing Dino, or GL does, he looks up at Dino and is like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday. He's dirt head to toe, and he's bleeding everywhere. He Dino jumped. went straight off the freaking cliff. <laughs> And and, when you started telling me, I just, just <laughs> reminded me of Dino's legs are trying to keep up with his body. Not happening. But he got yeah. more body than leg. Yeah. yeah. He tomahawked The, the it. physics there don't work out very well in <laughs> Dino's favor, but he ate shit at the bottom of this hill and just was annihilated. But that didn't slow him down. He Kept running. Got to Di- or he got to GL first, and he was a train wreck. <laughs> she was it's like, so I'm funny. I'm fine. No, I remember I did knock the wind. I think I got a handlebar to the gut or something. And I, I even got to a point, I think I got on my, on my knees just to like, you know, bring your knees in your chest. And I'm like, okay. And then I look and the first thing I think, I'm like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> he's like, like he's I just, mean, it, it was, GL, you okay? We didn't have a chance for that. He, GL just opens his eyes. What happened to you? I mean, he's fine. He just knocked the wind out of himself. Yeah. So but. we were walking back to the truck, and he's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, but how about you? Like, we need to get you a medic. Like, Dude, we need patch to go to the you hospital. up a little bit. He's like, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm breathing. I'm Dino. cool. That's funny. <laughs> and he's still around. Oh, yeah. Still ready to kick anyone's ass if oh. necessary. Is he at Yamaha now? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's been there. Well, he left. That made it awkward a little bit when I'm like, you know what, Mitch, you were right. He was the best mechanic ever. So I would like to take him with me to Yamaha. Is that cool? And it was one of those conversations where I was like, yeah. well, <laughs> um, I mean, if you have to, then yeah, but I'd rather you didn't. But if you do, I understand. So I just said, I have to. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he came with and he was a great guy, great guy, great, great team guy. player and uh, he, he, oh, very loyal, still at Yamaha. And he's pretty much... Their support guy, I mean, mm. goes to the every race and makes sure anyone that rides a blue bike, they're having ignition issues, bike setup, anything. 
they'll d- lend a hand and dig in a mm. pretty sweet. And That's he's awesome. one of those guys that like he doesn't he doesn't like if you go, hey, can I give you a hand with that dyno? No, no, no. I I can load this fifty-five gallon drum of fuel all by myself <laughs> up into the back. Oh, of the and he truck. can. That's oh, no, we would go watch him do it. Yeah. He's never load owned a bike. bike. Ramp. Yeah, exactly. We go to the track. Yep. All right, time to leave. <laughs> just throws the bike up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, did you guys just see that? Two hundred fifty pound motorcycle. One man just he literally doesn't lift the front wheel. No, he picks it up on his shoulder. The whole He's entire bike. Feel yeah. like a brick shit house. I mean. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Don't get in a fight with that guy. No. <clears throat> All right, Bones, yeah. let's, let's talk about you let's a little bit. Let's ease into this, okay? Well, I just want to hear about where you came from. You told me today you were from New York. I don't even think I knew that. Yeah. You know where New York is? <sighs> I think it's east. You're a Phoenix boy. It's a bit so. of a, bit of yeah. a train. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was uh, born and raised in, in New York. Uh, Upstate? Pretty much raised. Yeah, I was born in a little town called Canadaig, what's one of the Finger Lakes. Shortly after that, moved to uh, southern part of New York, right along the border of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Parents owned a motel and restaurant, a little bed and... Uh, bed and breakfast thing. Any close? Tw- 12 rooms. Wouldn't that have been relatively close to like Binghamton? Oh, no. I would say probably about an hour and a half okay. uh, west of Binghamton, straight west. Okay. If, uh, so that put in perspective. But yeah, as a kid, that was paradise. I mean, we had a little bit of land. Um, yeah. I could invite friends from school up. My parents would give me one of the rooms way out in the end, so I didn't cause uh, any too that much That was the old ways of doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you guys yeah. just kids away from the parents. tear it up in the Slumber party, and we had a little... Five horsepower Briggs and Stratton mini bike. We rode around in the summertime. Actually, we rode around that in the wintertime too. We had a little. Uh, we were just talking about that earlier. So I don't know why that Troy has it, but there's an old '60 Skidoo Olympiad sitting out back here for whatever reason. But we had that exact model when we were kids. Oh, we saw the photos. Yeah, like, and it looked like the same one. Yeah, oh, it is. And rode that around in the wintertime. So made tree forts, snow forts, whatever. It was paradise. Paradise as a kid. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, Mom had arthritis really bad, so at some point, um, mid-school area, we, we had to move to Arizona where the climate was drier for mm. health reasons. I was devastated leaving there, moving. I mean... Yeah, it's, it's a big change. Back east to Tucson. Yeah, how old were you at the that's, that's That's like choke and cheese right there if you're in America. It's about yeah, I'd, uh, I'd have to ask Debbie how old I was, and she knows that kind of stuff. But 10, I was in... 13? Okay. Yeah, so... Um, Culture shock, to say the least. Dumped right in the middle of school. Didn't fit in, you know, back east kid. So a little struggle there, but went through high school in and, 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 uh, Tucson. Got into racing, though, when I was in Tucson. So that was a Okay, cool so you didn't have bikes in New York. You didn't get <coughs> any bike, yeah. snowmobile, that's okay. it, bicycles. So how did the, the motocross, well, the, the riding, racing yeah, kind well, of come about? So in Tucson, when I lived there, um, first bike I ever bought, saved money, allowance, everything. Bought a... Uh, and, and worked a little bit at odd jobs, but bought a little uh, CT90 trail bike because we had one when we were kids in New York. My Which are now had, becoming really popular. Yeah. They're worth, they're worth, worth a lot more of money now, now than they were then, a lot more. <laughs> That's true. But yeah. So it's the only thing I knew, so I bought one. So riding it around the desert of Arizona, it lasted about a month. <laughs> Snapped the thing in half. I don't even say, remember what happened to it. doesn't strike me as a desert bike. <laughs> bought a little TC100 because everybody around there rode, so I got a Got a little riding in there. That thing fell apart. Just kept saving money. My first legit bike was a 1975 RM125. First year of the RMs. Bought that. Saved money. Bought it. Had it a month. It got stolen. No insurance. <laughs> so my grandma actually uh, gave me a loan. Loan. And I bought a 76 YZ125. 
My dad made out a little payment book with payment stubs and everything. Paid grandma back the whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah, with interest yeah. compounded. Uh, oh, the whole wow, thing. man. Like, grandma was, did, I was grandma say, wasn't messing around. No, that was, was old school grandmas. That was more like, my dad. I need interest on this. Yeah. <laughs> that was more my dad. It was kind of a life lesson. Yeah, I was going to say, me. yeah. So I pay, payment stub every year, just like a bank would do, you know, do things differently now. But yeah. that's the way they did it back then. Did she ever hit you with a late payment fee or anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> Didn't get that dolly You don't do things differently. Well, you keep it very old school. Anyway, he still so has your lap times from like 1994. <laughs> oh, no, I do. I do. Yeah. And trust me. He's I shown do. me before once. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know if that's cool or creepy, but that's awesome. <laughs> so had that and, and uh, started racing about then because neighborhood friends had dirt bikes. Got hooked up with them. Got into a racing scene. Thought it was cool. Went out in the desert and rode desert tracks like from Arizona. You yeah. know what those are like? Or oh, we all had them. Yeah. No, I've been out there a little bit. Did that and then... Um, I was taller, obviously, than those bikes I always felt <laughs> cramped on. So um, from Arizona, a guy named Carlos Serrano ran um, uh, a shop called Arizona Motorsports back then and sold Huskies. And I went in and sat on that thing, and I could—I almost had to tippy-toe touching it. And I'm like, I got to have this bike. <laughs> I got room to grow. Yeah, sold it. Sold my old one, bought a 78 Husky 125. They were CR125s back then, yeah, incidentally. But, um, and rode Huskies. 78 all the way through 84 and then i got my first or maybe even 85 yeah 85 those those were the cool bike to have back then right like we're legit husky yeah yeah. uh when i first started would have been early 80s and montana's a little bit behind the rest of the country it takes a while for fads to catch on but if if you're riding a husky in south africa (laughs) (laughs) if you were riding a husky man you were badass yeah no they were good bikes uh carlos raced them so he had hop-up parts for it, and then obviously moving to California. Um, obviously, racing's all happened in California, so went through high school. Hold on. Let me ask you, before we get to California, do you remember a guy, and I can't have, his name is escaping me, but we called him the Bandit, had one arm, mm-hmm. raced out of Tucson. Do you remember that guy? Okay. Might have been after uh, you left then. Yeah. So I left and graduated high school in 78, so worked for a steel company. Went to, went to a welding trade school, worked for a steel company in Tucson, and broke my tailbone riding. Foreman laid me off, gave me a reference, um, decided right then, me and my buddy said, hey, let's go to California. Loaded up my Pino station wagon <laughs> with a three-bike trailer. I've seen that before. Loaded it all for everything we had, bikes and mostly stuff to work on bikes, but that was it. And he had a cousin that lived in La Mirada, had a 16-foot camper trailer in his, in his carport, California, we went. Yeah. So th- when you say, because racing was it, at this point, were you like, I want to go next level, I want to race the best? Is, is that is that sort of the mindset, or was it just, I want to be with this more racing? Yeah, I mean, reading Cycle News every week, like all the, all the articles are... Well, because back then you had Carlsbad. Yeah, Saddleback, Saddleback Indian and, Dunes. I mean, everybody raced back then. Nobody races anymore. Yeah. Wow. Like, it's... It's really you hear that. because there wasn't tracks open all week long. Now there's a track open, prepped, and 100% groomed perfectly every day of the week. Multiple, Everybody just yeah. practices. Multiple tracks. Everybody yeah. just practices, though. Yeah. Well, that's where I'm at these days. Yeah. But, but I, I don't even practice. I just ride every once in a while. But yeah, no, but there, I know what you But, but, but was, I did it once just to, just to say I did it. I raced five times in one week. <laughs> raced every night? Yeah. What? I raced, I raced um, let me get my... Because I heard there was week yeah. racing, like, or night events. I, I raced Ascot on Wednesday night. I raced Orange County International Race, OCIR, on Thursday night. 
I went to Indian Dunes Friday night and raced, and then Saddleback Saturday and Sunday. Hey, Bones, what year would you think that was? Because I used to go to all of those races. My buddy was a local pro, Johnny Posca, and I used I to go to that name. Yeah. I used to go to all those races every week, yeah. uh, all the way through the eighties. Yeah, I mean that was probably eighty-two ish. Yeah, somewhere I was. There. I was there. I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. isn't that funny? That's past. No, I did past. it once. Just to, to, I can remember. I, I used to go to R and D before I met Mitch. And uh, the the dad uh, Rudy would would bore my cylinders and do some work for me. And I remember I just got a brand new piston. He bored it and everything. And I started my bike before I left the apartments in La Mirada. We had a garage there. Started it, turned the idle way out, and that was breaking my bike in as I drove <laughs> to OCIR. I'm waiting in line. My bike's running on the trailer, just idling, just idling. It's breaking in. Got there and raced. <laughs> well, at least you had some airflow at one point. So. Yeah. <laughs> and you were you told me earlier you were a 125 guy. Yeah, through and through. That was it. Raced a 500 once. Uh, it was a grudge match between uh, <laughs> my, my buddies. It, we were always trying to get something to get pissed off at each other about, but he, he's like, if I, I, we'll switch bikes. I'll still beat you. No, you won't. You know, so we, when the, the deal was we couldn't practice on, like he was going to race a 125 and I was going to race a 500. We couldn't practice. We had to just go just to the jump race. jump on. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I borrowed my buddy, my cookers. Okay. CR 500. And I went out to the, hills out by paris raceway yeah off of central there and i rode it around and went to carlsbad and raced it once started in third gear <laughs> r- rode the whole moto in third gear never <laughs> shifted once i said this is the most boring bike ever to ride yeah. it's like a semi-automatic <laughs> yeah but we never actually raced so it was all for nothing i think he got hurt or something but anyway he probably never heard this part of the story he's gonna be mad at me now <laughs> he knows you cheated yeah but now uh, the good old days that's for sure but i yeah, just moving from Arizona to to Southern California, obviously another big culture shock, but it was racing in both places, but we just wanted to go to California and race. My my buddy raced pro, so he wanted to do some of the nationals and stuff, and he got his bikes worked on at R&D, and then I just remember one day, I and I already rode Huskies, got it from Carlos Serrano in Tucson, and I was at Saddleback one day, and I had a problem with my bike, uh, chain tensioner broke, and um, wasn't going to be able to race. And I remember looking up on the terraces at, at Saddleback and seeing Anaheim Husqvarna van. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to go ask those guys if they can help me. And I rode up there. And uh, Mitch was there. That was his shop at the time yeah. in 1979-ish. And uh, it, <laughs> that was another story we could go into. But uh, So asked him for some advice, and he told me how to fix it and just rig it up. And they said, come to my shop the next week. And... Uh, I'd already had bones on the back of my leathers, which he remembered that name, and went, went into his shop the following week, and I walked in the door, and he goes, look, it's that Bones guy. <laughs> he knew you remember. So you. now is that, is that who gave you the nickname? started? No, that was a... Because you said you had on your pants, so obviously... Yeah. So back then, nobody wore... They weren't pants. For sorry, time. sorry. They leathers. were leathers, and I they bet. were leather. And they were leather sewn on oh, yeah. leathers. Le- they were leather. Lancer. Lancer was one company. Yeah. I wrote. I went to a place called Vera Leathers, big and big and Speedway. Side note, quick side note. Lancer Leathers was owned by Lloyd Meeks, who was Sean Kalos's grandfather. Jeez. So I used to buy yeah. Lancer Leathers out of Phoenix all the time. Yeah, yeah. And anyone in Arizona raced with Lancer Leathers, yeah. obviously. But so I went to Vera Leathers. We were driving away. They take your measurements and make a pair of pants. Driving away, my friends, my buddies were in the car, and I don't know what started it, but. Some some dare went, I dare you, I dare you, you know, and all of a sudden the guy goes, I dare you to put something on the back of your leathers, like the bony guy or something like that. And I go, 
and I forget what the bet was, but I turned around right away in my Toyota Corolla station wagon, drove back, <laughs> which I had at the time. That was my, after the Pino station wagon, but bought that off my mom. Stupid thing. But anyways, <laughs> I used to thrash that thing. I, hopefully my mom doesn't hear this, but I used to thrash that thing when I was a kid, and then I bought it off her. But drove back to Vera Leathers. I said, well, I want to put something on the back of it, the bony kid. <laughs> Can't fit that on the back. How about just bones? So it was the lady that ran Vera Leathers that came up with bones, and I had one pair of leathers that said bones and um you probably remember uh the obviously chris blows mm-hmm. his uncle chappy blows yep. was super fast and his riding style was awesome factory cow well, guy yep for one year and there was a national at canyon raceway in phoenix where he raced went to see it when i was a kid but he at one point had stickman on the back of his leather so i had <laughs> i had one pair of leathers that said stickman and one pair of leathers that said bones I was wearing those leathers that day at Saddleback. Went in the shop that day to have to buy the right parts to fix my bike. And Mitch goes, look, it's that Bones guy. So when I was in there, I bought the parts. Getting ready to leave, and Mitch goes, hey, I'll give you, if you wear my jersey, I'll give you two jerseys. Seriously? I go, yeah, I'll give you two jerseys. I'll put your name on the back of them, and I'll give you 10% off on parts if you wear my jerseys. I, Hell yeah. Oh, you, you, don't, you don't even realize when I left the shop that day, I, I probably, m- one of the most happiest days of my life, other than, other than getting married. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was so, like, I got a factory ride. Yeah. Like, I could not believe this just happened to me. I, I, I went home and I called my dad. You're never going to believe what happened to me today. You know, I was so stoked. And that was the beginning of, Mitch's and mine relationship. So that's awesome. And you picked the right nickname, by the way, because there's a stick man <laughs> now works for Troy the Designs here in the mountain bike industry. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. And he's well known in that in that world. But there's only one bone. There's <laughs> only one bone. <laughs> Even if they try and replicate, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um. So, how did you get to where you started working for Mitch? Uh, just racing all the time, honestly, and um, going in there to have buy parts well, and have. So I, I was a a welder. Um, when I moved to California, my dad loaned me $500 to get it was going. a lot of money back then. No, it was. And all we did was race. I mean, we, we literally drove on a Thursday, I think, and drove all the way to California and got there um, Thursday night. Um, got lost. The true story. Got lost. Couldn't. You didn't use Waze? <laughs> Come on. Bones still doesn't know how to use Waze. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what you that is. You still have a flip phone, right? But we, had, we have a big atlas, you know. And yep. So we got lost. Couldn't find it. And the only thing, we saw signs everywhere for Disneyland. So we just pulled it in the Disneyland parking lot and went to sleep in the car. <laughs> Free parking. Yeah. Ne- next morning. Well, not it. anymore. Yeah. Probably yeah not now it's inexpensive. You better off getting Now you have Hilton. to call the bank manager just <laughs> yeah, to make sure yeah. you can afford the yeah. parking. So the next day we moved. Uh, we found... Found where he lived in La Mirada and got kind of all settled. Well, we wanted to, I mean, this is Friday. We found it. We're racing Indy News Friday night. That's what we came here to do. We're racing. <laughs> it's all was on our mind. So we got back in the Pino station wagon and drove to Indy Dunes. Did you have a trailer? Where were the yeah, bikes? Three okay. bike, three bike three trailer. Three little three-rail trailer. Three yeah. trailer behind it. Okay. And got lost again. We were out on the Pacific Coast Highway, took the 126 back. There it is right there. Well, they're already racing. So we drove oh. right on by it, went back home to La Mirada. Got up the next day, went to Saddleback Saturday, Saddleback Sunday, and just kept racing. That's all we did was race. Pretty soon, we're like... How are you, how are you paying for stuff? Quit interrupting. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Pretty <laughs> soon, we started realizing we're running out of money. Okay. <laughs> so 
we're like, I'm looking at my buddy. I said, we should actually look for a job. <laughs> we're like, our money's not going to last that much longer. So uh, we both got jobs. I got a job in the steel industry because that's what I did. Went in there with the letter recommendation that my former boss had given me and got a job with a steel company in Norwalk, coincidentally, right down the street from R&D. That's how I kind of got hooked up with them. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what we did. And then, and then meeting Mitch that day at Saddleback. And then every day, I, you know, we worked a lot at the steel company. We, most of the time, we were on overtime. We had to start 4 in the morning. If we weren't on overtime, we started 6 in the morning, got off 4 in the afternoon. Every time I left there, straight to Pro Circuit, I went to either hang out or get parts for my bike. And as you can imagine, a pretty cool place to hang out. Like yeah. it still is to this day. You know, yeah. at 6 o'clock, you're just hanging out in the race shop. Yeah bullshitting and We've talking stories yep. yep so nothing not much has changed a little, little more laid back less stressful deal back the, back in those days as you can imagine but still pretty cool i mean at, at some point my uh, mike garrow worked there i don't know if anybody knows mike garrow but well, you guys do but um yeah he still works at yamaha but um he used to work for mitch and he got a job offer for yamaha and told Mitch he was going to go work for Yamaha. So I was at the shop so much, pain in the ass to Mitch. But He's he like, offered me a job. Well, as soon as you're part of the furniture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was down there so much. But he offered me a job, and I'm like, no, there's no way I can do that. I mean, I, I made decent money as money, a welder. Yeah. And I, profit sharing, retirement. I had everything. I had everything. But I didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, it's it not really a passion, right? follow your heart. Exactly. Huh? I mean, I did not like it. I mean, every time I flipped open my welding hood, I looked at the clock to see what time it was. Mm. That whistle blew at four. Uh, ten Gone. minutes after four, I washed my hands, and I'm in my Toyota Curl station wagon yeah. headed to Pro Circuit. So I was flattered, but I'm like, God, I just can't but, do it. But when he offered you the job, like, what did he say? Like, what was the title? He didn't say, hey, do you want to no. be my suspension tech? Do well, you? We, you had to do everything back then. Okay. I mean, you had to help with a lot of stuff. Um, and we dabbled in suspension a little bit. It was mostly rebuilding stuff, but he, he offered me that job. And at first I turned him down and said, no. And then he came back with a little more incentive. And I'm like, God, I remember talking to my dad and my dad's like, you can't do this. I go, it doesn't make sense. And I go, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a job doing something I loved, would love doing. Like, yeah. I can't, I, at that time, I really couldn't imagine there was people out there that had jobs doing something they liked doing. For, for me, a job meant torture, you yeah. know? And it was, so I turned him down again. And then the third time, he put a little more incentive in there, like he would help me with a bike and help me with parts, and I could race, and I wouldn't have to spend so much money racing. Like, now you're talking. <laughs> my, dad, my dad told me, yeah, no, that's what I said. But my dad still <coughs> and a case me, of Coors Light. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're done. <laughs> But uh, my dad still told me, ah, do whatever you want, but I don't think that's a good idea. And, and my and that, boss at that the That would time, have been like an old school mentality, right? Like, hey, for sure. you clock in, you grind out all day, and you oh, clock yeah. out, and that's how a man makes his living. Well, so, how, many, how many people ever said, hey, it's a really good idea to get into the motocross industry? <laughs> Not too many people. <laughs> you know, there's more people that have probably got horror stories, yeah. you know what I mean, that blew everything they yeah. had rather than the other way around, but. Well, yeah, you could the, see what yeah. the parents looking at. Yeah, and they're there's a lot of people that, that honestly didn't know what a real job was. I mean, I'd, a lot of a lot of people do, but I mean, I still don't. If, if yeah, <laughs> but if you, I mean, if you showed up ten minutes early, you were considered late. Yeah, yeah. because they want you. They want you clocked in. They want you at your station. Your welding machine warmed up. Your welding hood on. That whistle blows. Your welding and your welding. Your welding. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So well, implement so, that at the dealership again. <laughs> no, that's a cool story, though, man, because I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people out there 
who were who were at that crossroads uh, have been at a point and said, "No, nah, I better do the responsible thing or the the safe yeah. thing." You know what I mean? And they now they're they're twenty five years in, just just looking yeah. at the clock all day, just yeah. like you did. But it was a dream come true for me. Yeah, thing. I mean, it was it was like I can remember like it was yesterday. I was nervous about it. My dad had said, "No, well, he didn't say don't do it," but he says, ah, "You know, it doesn't sound that that smart of an idea." And I go, "Yeah, but dad, it's." I would love to have this opportunity to do this, something I love to do. I've always worked on dirt bikes or lawnmowers or whatever. I've always had my hands in yeah. gasoline or doing something with, yeah. with engines and tinkering with a snowmobile, whether it was a mini bike or something, you know? So I couldn't pass it up. And, and for me, I was lucky because I always worked hard. I always had a passion. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it 100%. So when I told my boss at the time, he didn't let me quit the welding job. He goes, okay, i tell you what. And, and I used to bring my bike in there and work on it sometimes, you know, if I had something to weld, um, which with a Husky was <laughs> frames all the time. I was You told me I welded the bike, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he wouldn't let me quit. He put me on a leave of absence. That's really a, cool. For a month. So if, I, if nothing worked out, I wouldn't lose, you know, my retirement. Yeah. My private, I wouldn't lose my status there. Yeah. And I was next in line for foreman. I was lead man in my department. So I gave it a shot, never looked back. Yeah. That was and really it, cool of him to do that, though, because he could have awesome. just been like, you leave, you're done, you're yeah. out, you know. Yeah, or he could have got pissed off, oh, yeah. you, you know, but uh, it was just awesome. It, it worked out good, and obviously I never looked back because, you know, as soon as I started working for Mitch, I felt like I was part of the Pro Circuit family and yeah. still do to this day, obviously, 34 yeah. So what year was later, that? You know? 1984. Okay. And so, so you, you, you were... Up until you guys, st- I mean, talk talk me through those years. Up until they started a race team, I mean, Mitch was growing. He went away from. It well, used we, to we, be, it used it, to be it, PCP, right? Pro Circuit <laughs> Products, if I remember right. Well, it was, and we had stickers. <laughs> that said some, that, a little awkward. Yeah, I think, somebody said. I think, Jody, I think it was Jody that came up to Mitch one day and said, "That's nah, not a good sticker." And explain, <laughs> I had to explain to him why, and he goes, "Oh, wow." Hey, don't right. worry. Yeah. My dad was walking through Johannesburg Airport with a big jacket that said White Power, which now is known as WP. Yeah. And I remember I said to my dad, hey, it's 19.99, and that is not <laughs> acceptable. I'm like, you need to take that off now. And he looked, and he was like, oh, didn't even think twice. Yeah. Now we know as, as WP suspension. WP, yeah. Well, I remember going to Saddleback, you know, shortly before I worked for Mitch and looking at Tony D's Huskies there because he sponsored Tony D back then. And, and all the cool parts that were on his bike and seeing those PCP stickers and I'm like, I didn't think anything of it then. I was Mr. Naive anyways, but yeah, that, that yeah. didn't last very long. But, no. But yeah, I mean, those days were all... PCP had to become a little more PC. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the Husky dealership went away in 85. Kajiva bought out Husky. Yep. Mitch was intelligent enough to see the writing on the wall. And probably had some advice from his parents and stuff like that, but got out at the perfect time. I was devastated because I still raced Huskies. But... Uh, 85 was my last Husky, and then I got a 86 CR125 Honda, which you were, still have, right? No, no. You sold it? That Ooh. was a 90. Oh. Uh, but the 86 was a badass 125 Honda. Yeah. Well, that was Honda's glory days, oh, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Like, yeah. I think of RJ, Osho, yeah. Bailey, Manny yeah. Mohan. So I had 86, and then I think an 88, and, and, then, and then an 89 125 Honda was also really good and then i had my 90 and i just sold it not too long ago for who'd you sell it to some guy i mean i wasn't gonna sell it but i needed to work on it and it was an old test bike 
Like it was, it, it, I think when we were helping Eric Keo, it was one of our old test bikes and it just sat around the shop. So Mitch goes, that can be your bike. You, you can ride it. We need to use it for testing. We did a little short stint with Ryan Hughes when he was going to ride Hondas in um, 91, but um, switched to Cowies. But I remember going to testing with him on that bike and taking it to Hangtown for uh, a spare bike for Eric Kehoe. He got hurt. And actually, we had to yank the engine out of it and let Kodrowski race one of the motos with it. And Racing well, in RJ, the old days, huh? Yeah, RJ. Oh, you can borrow that motor. No, you seriously. Got, I mean, you got a linkage over there? Okay, cool. No, that was my bike. It, so half the time I went to ride it, it was a part. But <laughs> RJ was in here last week, and he was talking about when he won, uh, which he was right. Warren Reed was the first one to win all three motos at Mammoth. Mammoth and I think yeah. RJ won, Lampson won. There's only been a handful of guys that have cleaned up that uh, at the mountain up there. But, uh, oh, God, look at that picture. That is my favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so eighty. Just, that's an eighty pair of eighty six or eighty seven Honda forks I'm working on right there. Those are cool. Forks. <laughs> you know what's kind of cool is that if you look at the Pro Circuit logo on your shirt, they still have shirts that look exactly oh, yeah. the same. Yeah. they were spelled. They've kept it. They were spelled wrong then. Where the best gets better, or the best get better. I forget what it was, but Ronnie Baumgartner spelled it wrong. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's always great. We just but, produced a couple thousand yeah. T-shirts, and we realized we made a mistake. But so, that, that year that RJ won all three motos, he used the cylinder off my bike. For the 125? the 125 class, that story he was telling. But um, those were cool stories to listen to RJ about that. Yeah, he was great. Um, so how, at what point did you get into suspension? And how so, did that work so out? So Mike Guerra quit. Mike Guerra was already, still have it to this day, a little black book. Had had settings in it. He would rebuild the shocks and forks for um, AC Backen, Andy Jefferson, you know, guys like that. Um, but it was just basically rebuilding the Husky shocks. So okay. when I went to work for Mitch, he showed me how to rebuild a set of twin shock Huskies. Wasn't necessarily revalving, just it was. And oh, I had okay. to I had to reference his little black book, okay. and he showed me how to stack the shims on there and where to get them. He had a little cupboard full of shims and showed me how to do all that stuff. And then uh, and that was 1984. And then in 1985, we started getting into Japanese bikes. Mitch had sold the dealership, so. Um, we'd started doing Japanese bikes and actually, um, who was a good friend of Mitch's, Bob Hanna, it's mechanic, Brian Lunas. Yeah. I remember Bob that. always went and rode the Florida winter series. So, um, and we did, we helped Bob's friends, Jeff Hicks and Rich Taylor and guys like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but Brian had on a piece of notebook paper had written down a shim stack for an 85 CR 250 shock. And said, this is what Bob used to win the Florida Winter Amp Series. Gave it to Mitch. I didn't really know how to decipher it at the time. I kind of knew a little bit about it. And actually, not too many people know this, but um, uh, Ross Maeda, who uh, was super cool to me when I first got started, he kind of did all the KYB stuff eventually at our, at our shop, and I ended up doing all the Showa stuff. And that was a Showa shock. But Ross helped me understand what this all meant helped me showed me how to do it and yeah pretty soon we st i don't know exactly how it happened but pretty soon we started getting 10 15 cr 85 cr 250 shocks a week in in the shop you know and we, and we get That's some cr 125 shocks in but they were kyb so they'd his wife irene would come to the shop pick up all the shocks and take them over and ross, and ross would, would do ross okay. with a i think Kurt Rude was actually helping Ross at the time. Kurt Rude was still really? working at Kawasaki Jeez. in Ross's garage. Okay. He and didn't have Enzo set up then, right? Was it? I think it was still called, it was called it was Enzo. Called Enzo? Then, yeah. Okay. Yep. 
And then uh, wow. he, she would bring them back to the shop two days later, all done. I would put the sp- clean them up, put a pro circuit sticker on it, clean them all back up. But he would do the KYB stuff, and that lasted for a couple of years. And then as the business grew, we just took over everything and, and uh, did stuff like that. But, yeah, Ross to this day is one of the people that I admire so much, you know. Yeah. And there was a couple of guys back then. Stick Peterson, I used to stand at Carl's Bat and just as a kid, just stand there and stare at him working in the box truck. And watch every move he made with a screwdriver and putting a shock together and bleeding it, how he did it. PPS, Peterson Performance Suspension, right? Yeah. (coughs) But uh, those guys were were always super cool to me. But anyway, so that that setting didn't matter who you were, how much you weighed. (laughs) You got that setting. That's the setting you got. And people probably liked it. Oh, but we we had guys like Brian Manley, Jeff Hicks. I mean, guys like that, legit guys coming in and getting their shocks done. And, and for forks, all we did was put uh, ATK fork springs in, stiffer fork springs with a little less preload, a little more oil. And that's all. I mean, it's all you, anybody did to forks back then. They were, they were just damping tubes, a little hole, sprinkler say, tube hole. It, it wasn't yeah. that sophisticated. Yeah, they, they really looked like a sprinkler tube. They just had holes drilled in them. The holes did certain things, and you would braise them up, weld a smaller hole or a bigger yeah. hole to do certain things. But we did so much of that suspension back then. Huh. And, and you got that setting. So in 86, I started thinking... What would happen if I changed this shim and went to a thicker one? <laughs> you know, and then I tried it, and Jeff Hicks was one of the first guys I ever really took out and went testing with me, and then just learned learned by mistakes. Yeah, was I, at least I thought at the time fairly smart about thinking about what I was doing, and had an idea, knew how everything worked, and um, just started tinkering and testing and. I remember going to De Anza. They had a supercross track there back in the day. Yamaha had a supercross track at De Anza. Yeah. We used to sneak out there. And ride. Yeah, we would, I would go there with Jimmy Button and test and just other guys and test and just made that. That didn't work. That worked. And Goat Brecker came along and we tested with him and he went to Europe in 88 and we did a lot of stuff with him. And just through the years, you just learn. Yeah. You know, it was, you know yeah, I had some mentoring to begin with. Took it from there and just kind of was somewhat smart about what I did and methodical about what I did, at least I thought I was, and just um, really thankful that, you know, I, I had a lot of opportunities to work with a lot of really good riders yeah. through this whole time because of Mitch. Yeah. I mean, they didn't come to Pro Circuit to get their suspension work done in 85, 86, 87. They came to Pro Circuit because Mitch was building badass motors yeah. and had badass pipes. And you guys know Mitch, he ain't he ain't quitting till that's the yeah. best yep. it could be. Well, Ricky well, Johnson, Ricky for, Johnson though. was telling us last week about how he was he chose that pipe. He'd go out and test with the HRC stuff, and he liked the Pro Circuit pipe better. Yeah, but that doesn't happen by accident. That's a lot of work on Mitch's part. And Ricky's been awesome to us beyond what you guys know. I mean, he kind of essentially, you know, in 1986 when they went to the production rule. He put his foot down. He might have said something about that. I might have, I didn't listen to every word, but I listened to quite a bit of it for a few, you know, a couple hours. But, uh, you know, he put his foot down and I'm racing with his pipe in 1986, first year of the production rule. So that helped immensely. Yeah. And we're forever grateful for, to Ricky for that. But, um, you know, just, just, um, Mitch always had awesome bikes. I mean, I, I remember when I raced, I had, I bought this brand new Husky 83. I think Sierra 125 Husky and I did all the gold, me and my buddies did all the Golden State races 
Jimmy Perry, Mike Hooker. We yeah. got in Jimmy Perry's dad's motorhome, went to all the Golden State races, trans car races, whatever. Got this brand new bike. Jimmy Perry's still around. Or, yeah. yeah and, and I was a good starter. I always pulled whole shots. And, I, and if I pulled the whole shot, I didn't care how I did in the race. I was happy. <laughs> but like, I got this bike, yep, and I'd be, I'd be, I couldn't see another bike, you know, yep. five feet off the gate. By the end of the start straight, I'm last. And I, I go back to the shop. I tell Mitch, I'm so pissed. And I said, can't, can't we do something about this? And he goes, yeah, but I got to get a time. I'm we're focusing on, you know, Japanese bikes now, yeah, <laughs> some yeah. stuff that makes me money. But um, he uh, got together with Dave Miller and uh, built built me a little, uh, like it was half cone pipe, half stamp pipe. I forget what it was. It was something like the front part of it was all cone, and then the midsection was a YZ125 stamp, and the end was something else, and then a Honda silencer. <laughs> we called that early day factory-looking Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, and I remember went, I went, drove down to Dave Miller's shop, picked it up, came back to the shop, started up, and took it down to the old shop up and down the road and came back, and Mitch goes, what do you think? And I go, I guarantee you both those shots this weekend. <laughs> and he goes, it can't be that good. I go, bet me right now. I'll pull both hole shots this weekend. And Mitch and I had a bet over yeah. me. He was betting against me. <laughs> so I went to the race. I think it was Carlsbad that weekend. And it was a thing called mini view photos. I don't know. If I remember the little things you looked yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. So I went ahead of time. I said, I want a picture of both my starts. Pulled both hole <laughs> shots so stinking easy. It wasn't even funny. Went back Monday morning, handed them. I said, pay up. I love it. Yeah. Tom, Tom Corley, right? Tom Corley did the mini views. No, Tom Corley was... Uh, Cycle News. No, but he had a little publication back then. That's right. It was Tom called Corley. SoCal. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, but yeah. I forget his name, but he drove this little motorhome, and he would park it at Saddleback right behind the start line, and he did this little pegboard thing, and everybody there got a mini view photo yeah. hung on a peg. You just looked for your number, yeah. grabbed it up, and you didn't have to buy it. You just looked at it. If you liked it, you bought it. I have some mini views. So do I still. I, uh, <laughs> I have some from the 80s, uh, the World Mini Grand Prix. He'd go out there and shoot. Talk a little bit about, uh, that, that's kind of how you got involved in suspension. That's all stuff I didn't even know. Um, the team. Yeah, take us through the, the, the start of the team. Well, I mean, back in the, you know, back in the day, we, I, I mean, we started going to the races like the Nationals, like before we had officially had the race team. I mean, we would help guys like George Holland and Larry Brooks. I mean, I've got Larry Brooks stories. I, <laughs> I can't ever take Larry Brooks seriously. I mean, he knocked me down at practice at Saddleback when he was on a mini bike one day. It pissed me off. But uh, <laughs> he's doing Suzuki's amateur yeah. stuff now. Oh, good for him. I'm yeah. glad to see that. I mean, he he was kind of one of our first riders too. I mean, in '84, '85, he won Pasadena 125 class. Oh, that's and right. I Ol remember. That. Had Olin suspension, and I worked on a little bit, and then you know he was kind of a support rider for Honda. And actually, that that brings me to another story because that. That was kind of a, there was a couple key things when I started doing suspension that, that, and I've never told this story before, to be honest with you, but kind of motivated me. Um, when we helped Larry Brooks, and I think it was in 86, 87, I think it was 87, because he went out in his own box van with his own mechanic and did the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Had some help with, uh, had some help with Honda. I mean, I was always self-motivated, don't get me wrong, and I always wanted to do the best job I could. Tried to stay open-minded, listened to anybody that gave me advice, um, decided if I wanted to listen to it or discard it, but most of it back then I listened to because I was still pretty green. And you never stop learning. 
especially in suspension because yeah. no, <laughs> sure. it's constantly changing. But yeah, absolutely, you know, we helped we helped Larry Brooks, and I remember I think it was Hangtown maybe, and I was all stoked. The bike works so good, you know. I'm thinking I'm all happy, right? And he did okay. I don't remember his exact results, but he was capable of winning. You know, back then, he okay. mean, even at the nationals. Oh yeah, like okay. he 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 had legit speed. Um, and I remember after the races one day, I was in the box truck talking to Larry about his bikes and everything. He was happy with his bikes. And I was sitting way back in the back of the box truck and Roger DeCoster came up. And um, I know Roger now, which that's another story. I have a scrapbook with his autograph in it from when I was a kid. So, But um, Roger came up, started talking to him about, you know, how he did and kind of mentoring him a little bit because they were, they were supporting him somewhat. Okay. And Roger didn't know me, um, nor should he. Um, and... He said, "In your bike, you got to do something about your suspension. Your bike handles horrible." <laughs> like, were you, remember, ear, were you an earshot of that? You heard? No, that? I know. I was sitting in his box truck, like okay. in the back. But again, Roger didn't know me, you know. And and it's a good thing he didn't. I mean, because I remember thinking, Roger DeCoster just said my suspension is horrible. <laughs> just tore your heart out, stomped on it. No, but I mean, I, that was such a motivating thing for me to hear that, like. I had Roger DeCoster's posters say, on my wall. Like that says it, you don't take it personally. You're just like, yes, what do I do? Yeah, so I had Roger DeCoster's posters on my wall. He was an idol of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, when I lived in Tucson, his posters were on my wall from when he wrote Suzuki's. Like, he was, he was the man and still is. You know, and to hear him say that, I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging in now. This ain't never going to happen again. And we went testing and testing. I mean, I did so much testing with Larry Brooks, it wasn't even funny. Over the years, not just on... The Hondas, yeah. but other bikes he did testing. I remember going to Ritchie Canyon one day and forgot the bike stand and pulled it up on my tailgate of my pickup truck, tie downs to the front of it, and pulled the shock off with the rear wheel hanging off the edge of my tailgate and took the shock apart in the back of my pickup truck with a with a uh, drill press vise and a little <laughs> bottle of nitrogen and we, we changed shims. I go, I'm not, I'm not hearing this again from Roger DeCoster ever. Yeah. He, he, I've never told him this story, but. It was a big motivating thing for me. Like I'm, I'm if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm doing it the, as always, the best I can do it, and I'm, I'm not going to have that said about my suspension again. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a blessing that I heard that. It was a defining moment. It sounds like in your no, life. No, it really, it really was. Yeah. I mean, that was there was a couple others, but that was that was a big one for me. I mean, I, I just I worked even harder, and you know, back then we worked. I mean, I slept at, I slept in the box truck at the shop every other night, you know, and, jeez. and we, we, I, I loved it though. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. you say jeez, like that was awesome. Well, I, didn't I, have, I, I, didn't say, have a, I didn't have a life. You know? I say jeez because you guys have been doing that for a long time. Yeah. I mean, the hours that you guys work in that shop over there. But it was fun, Ping. I mean, it yeah. was awesome. Yeah. I mean, we just, we just loved it. That was our life. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I'm a kid from Arizona, and I'm just living a dream. See, yeah. I, I was the kid that was also hanging out the dealership net, but it was my dad that yeah. wanted to be there. I remember in the beginning, it was like, oh, man, this is a little bit boring and old. And you made the most of it. And I started figuring out how to make some stuff. And then I'd see someone welding with a make like a stick man out of nuts and bolts <laughs> and stuff and just literally screw around. And like you said, it starts becoming something you look forward to. Yeah. I remember my dad would build my little mini bike race bikes at our local dealership because he didn't have the tools or the contact cleaners and the lubes and all this and the oils and the whatever. But So we'd go to a, to a dealership and he would build my bike while smashing his car's lights all night long. So there was a good <laughs> chance I was either going to win or DNF because it was a mechanical. Yeah. But that's what we also did. you know. So I, could, I can relate and it became 
more than just a sponsor. It was like, that's where we went, hung out Friday yeah, nights. Yeah, that was The local awesome. cafeteria knew what I had. I'd have my chocolate milkshake with my <laughs> wine gums and the guy would walk in. The guy's like, ah, Grand Friday. Good to see you, man. How was school? Oh, good. You know, and off you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I get that. You know, sometimes what looks like roughing it is part of, I think, what makes you you. So, yeah, so the Roger thing, a few years later, Mitch and I loaded up a bike and went to Ritchie Canyon to test, uh, I don't know if it was engines or pipes or both, with, with Roger. Like, he was still riding back then. So okay. he rode the bike, but I did the suspension for it. <laughs> Were you nervous? Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> you like, don't even know. More nervous than coming on today's I'm, show? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm sitting in the background, and he's riding. And, and for me, a home run would have been, don't say a word about suspension. Yeah. I, my fear was... I can't tell how the engine runs. I can't ride this bike. A suspension oh, yeah, sucks, exactly. you know? <laughs> this is probably all going through your head as you're yeah. watching him. But the day went awesome, and we had a good day. And at the end of the day, he goes, you know what? The suspension works pretty good, too. I'm like, yes. Stoked. <laughs> yes. And then he may not remember this either, but there was a time where years and years later, we were at Minneapolis Supercross. Just got there. Just checked in. Um, and... Um, it was, it was the motel that was in the stadium, and we were looking over the track. And so we ran in there, just, just checked in, and we ran in there to look at the track and everything. And Roger was sitting there drinking some wine and relaxing, just had dinner. And I said, hi, Roger, how you doing, this and that. Oh, yeah, you know, just chit-chatting, not much. And we went to leave, and he goes, hey, Bones, come here for a second. I'm like, uh-oh, you know, <laughs> still intimidated by him, yeah. which I am to this day still. But <laughs> he calls me over, and he says, um, he goes, you know what? You do a good job. And, I, and he elaborated on it a little bit. You've been with Mitch for a long time, and you do a good job. Best day ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that like, so to put all, all three of those kind of moments in time yeah, together yeah. Was, was... It was like winning a yeah, championship, it was huh? a, Yeah, it was amazing for me, so... It's interesting, somebody like that that's so influential. And he, he is intimidating. I mean, he's just got so much resume you know what i mean 50 yeah. some years in this sport and the things he's done there's just really nobody like he's him almost, it's, he's it's almost, almost like a, with it's anyone like a, that was anyone in our sport it's if like you go a, back through his stories he's worked with everyone just about that was anyone yeah for sure but he's like a father yeah. figure almost where you you want his approval right a little bit to a degree well, for me a little bit yeah, yeah it was well it spawned from that first day with larry brooks but yeah yeah you're right about that <laughs> but yeah it's, daddy roger <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so so that kind of led into um, you were helping privateers along the way, and then what what triggered the race team? Was it was it well, Honda kind of coming to you guys? Well, well, Mitch, it was Mitch's passion to have a race team. Honda came to us. Mitch knows the story better than me, but Honda came to us. Dave Arnold back then and wanted to. Uh, we hired they hired McGrath and wanted to start a race team. So we were, you know, we didn't have a sponsor. It said Peak on the bikes, but first couple of races, we weren't sponsored by Peak, and they didn't sign the deal until after that. <laughs> I remember hearing that. Yeah, and I remember being at the Orlando Motel with Mitch, 2 in the morning, and we're, and we're got scissors, and we're both cutting out decals and putting them on the bikes. We didn't have a race team put together till way early in the morning, you know, Saturday morning, before we went to the race. We get to the race, and we have this bitchin' tent that we're going to put up. <laughs> well, Skip Norfolk was the only one that had ever put it up. And he, and he numbered all the poles and lettered them, but none of us could figure this out. And we're trying to get hold of Skip on the phone, and we can't do that. There's photos of this somewhere. Joel Albrecht, or uh, I'm sorry, Joel Andrews was uh, pointing at this pole and pointing at this pole. And 
people are walking by and Suzuki's across from they're making circus noise, you know, and then like, it, we're just like a joke to everybody because we're trying to put this together and it just, Mitch just kept getting madder and madder. He goes, I don't care if we have to weld these poles together. This tent <laughs> going is going up. Fucking tent up. So it was the first time that anybody had really had a sponsor like that for a team where the team wore the same gear. Yeah. Both box trucks were identical. The tent. Ooh, both box trucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The tent matched the box trucks and matched the gear. Oh, was the, it was the beginning of the team concept. Yeah. <clears throat> that thing went up. Suzuki across the street. Dude, that looks awesome. I remember watching, um, I think it was Rick Johnson and maybe Jeff Ward or someone else walking up the center aisle of the pits going to their truck. And we were next to Honda. So RJ didn't have far to walk. And they just stopped and looked and they're pointing. No way. Like that. And it was awesome. And I remember, and those bikes ripped. God, they were so fast. I remember practice. The uh, 125s were on the track, and it was Swink and Buell, Orlando. And um, I remember Wardy and Chicken were sitting side by side waiting for their practice to start. And and uh, Swink and Buell came by. Just Their bikes were just ripping, and they both looked at each other and just pointed at our bikes, and their jaws dropped. Like, dude, you know? I remember, I remember watching those, and it's, you, could, you could pick them out at any point on the track. They were so throaty. And nasty Crisp, sound. Just, yeah. oh, it's hard to describe that sound, but it's, it was awesome. But that was, a, that was the start of the team thing, right? Yeah. And then we ran that for a couple of years. Obviously, we got spoiled at that point. Well, was, yeah, because you guys had well, pretty that, much that, that success o- almost instantly. Yeah. I mean, not many teams have that. I mean, if you go and look so, back, whether it's Star, yeah. Yamaha, I, I think of modern-day teams, a lot of them – People were playing circus music around them before they became well, yeah. look, something. Let's, let's look at the Troy Lee team as a great example. Started in Supermoto, won championships, but we made the transition over here to racing, motocross and supercross, and it's been since 07. Yeah. Still no titles. So Yeah, it's crazy you know, to think. Race, race wins, wins. Lots of race and, yeah. wins. They're competitive. Yeah. But to go out and win titles just immediately the way you guys did, that, I mean, that's a good way to put it. That doesn't I mean, happen. Good teams. Yeah, we, got, we definitely got spoiled because I, there was a point where, you know. It helped that you also had the two best riders. <laughs> well, no, we raced against, and we did Rhino's bikes. Rhino rode a 125, and if you remember the finish of Orlando, Mitch and I were standing next to each other on the sidelines, and we didn't know who won. Of the, the opener? Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, crossed the finish line side by side, and we, we were looking at each other. Sound, yeah. It sounds like your story about uh, Pingree's potential title in 2000. I remember you told me you didn't know who had won the well, title. But this one was because they crossed the finish yeah. line side yeah. by side for the win with the checkered flag, and we didn't know, and they gave it to Swink. And Rhino was riding awesome that night, too. He came from behind, and they battled and came up to the finish, and then Swink went on a tear. And, and I mean, racing Doug Henry, too. Doug Henry was in the, in the mix at some of those races, and I think we went to Fulton County Stadium for the next race in Atlanta, and and uh, it was a mudder, and Doug Henry is awesome in the mud. And we did Doug Henry's bikes back then, DGY Yamaha. Mm. Suspension, uh, yeah. motor, motors, pipes, everything. I don't uh, Maybe did the motors, but pipes and suspension for sure. Yeah. And um, he was in the mix and Swink won again. And then, I mean, we didn't win every race that year, but we certainly won quite a bit between Swink and Buell. And then we went uh, west. and Budman and Jeremy destroyed everybody. <laughs> one, two, like almost every round. And we went west, though, and McGrath was, you know, started cleaning up yeah. out there. He didn't win the first one. I think Lusk won the first one, but then McGrath started, I'll be fine. Just leave me alone. I was nervous first race, and we went testing. because stop testing. I love my bike, I'm, you know. And so, wait, are you saying the East Coast started? Yeah, Orlando was the opener a lot yeah. of, for a lot okay. of years. Yeah. Things have changed there. Yeah. It's always so, that way now. 
So moral of this one is we won. Yeah. And then the next season, we won. You know, and... Because that was 90, 91, 91 and 92. 91, 92. 91, 92. And then 93, we went to Cowie's, which that's a... That's a long story. But we started off winning yeah. there with Gaddis, but... Well, back then it was it was like, like honestly to me and and I don't this may sound bad to other teams but which which is not the case now anymore but the, back then I couldn't imagine going to the races and not thinking you were going to have a chance to win. Yeah. I I couldn't imagine that feeling and when we didn't win I was devastated. So that feeling and that passion is still inside all of us. Yeah. Like when you don't win, it sucks. I mean, beyond belief. And you're gonna do whatever it takes. Yeah. It's something we to can all agree on. That problem, you <laughs> know, this, this is to that. This is funny. We were his bones and I were actually at the track today doing a little testing on a bike uh, for customer settings, and Austin Forkner's out there, and his mechanic says something. Uh, you guys had a little <laughs> joke, like, "What? Yeah. Don't you want to win?" It was something oh. about. Uh, well, we were in Mitch's office one day, and. Hey, you get close to the first race and every stress and everybody's doing this, but I, I don't remember even what it was about, but, and it was Ollie and Ollie and we're great friends and there's nothing wrong there, but, um, he had said, he'd looked and I said something about testing or doing something. And he, he looks at me and he goes, what, you don't want to win? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> don't you dare say that to me. And Mitch fired right back at him and everything. It got, it got heated for a minute. And he apologized. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. I go, well, you said that. I go, don't ever think that from me you know and then no i know way, but <laughs> i've been there 4 yeah. p.m the sun setting the moisture's <laughs> rising lap times are falling now's the time for the lap record gl i'm like is just, this guy yeah. freaking serious i'm like he's so full of shit the the track is baked the sun's going down the traffic jam is on the 15 i'm gonna be hours getting home but i really thank you for that because i'm telling you what you on he's not one to shy away from work. And there were times I'm like, I remember he would say to me, just one more, one more. And I'm like, one more what? Change. Okay, cool. What did you think? Give him my opinion. He goes, you know what? Based on what you just said, one more thing. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, I want to miss dinner at this point. But yeah, Bones wanted to win. And I think yeah. that was something that I really had respect. And but it, it, it shows... Like what you just said, the story about Ollie. Don't tell me. I don't. Don't say I don't yeah. want to win. Like that's a he, that's a he, he fighting. That's fighting words. I, no, I, I, I know. I, but. I've had people say that to me too at times, and I'm just like, yeah. Oh, you have no idea. Yeah, yeah like that so. is not a correct statement. So that that early days spoiled us. And I was actually just talking to Tyler Keith a little while ago tonight about that, and he goes, "Dude, how many times did you keep?" Because I used to use him for a lot of testing. Um, how many times did you keep me at Glen Helen or? <laughs> Failing, even failing. Oh yeah, and it would be dark, and you'd ask me to do one more lap, and I'm like, just I put a clear see. lens in your goggles and be careful. But I got to get this test in. Like, do you, you know, we're already here. You know, it's going to take so much effort to get us back. I mean, it's just, bro, I can't even see. Yeah, <laughs> that switch to Cowie in '93 though, that wasn't easy. Uh, no, I know, I know, Mitch no. has told me about the work that went into making those motors run. Was the suspension as big of a challenge or no? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, you're starting over, so that's well, you're, tough. Yeah, you're starting over, and and the chassis is completely different. The Honda chassis was awesome back then. The engine was awesome. The transmission was awesome. You could, back then, it was a big deal to be able to do the triples at the track. 
on a Honda, you could do it in first gear, second gear. It didn't matter. You come out of the corner and between the chassis and the transmission. And um, I have always said that, you know, if you think of how your bike handles, the suspension, you know, has maybe 25, 30% to do with it. The rest is chassis. Mm-hmm. Even though it, ah, oh, my bike's not handling good. Yeah. It feels like this. It feels like this. But the majority of how your bike feels is chassis related. Sure. So then when GL came along, he didn't like to test the first year he was there, but the second year he got into testing and helped immensely with our program. But it, we did a lot of chassis stuff. I also KTM, stuff. and if you yeah. remember, we didn't do a ton of testing in the early days. What do we got to test? Oh, my God, three things. <laughs> Can we try a linkage? No. Okay. No, we will not try the linkage. <laughs> did you have a linkage? Not bring it up. <laughs> no, there was no <laughs> yeah. linkage. Yeah, it was hanging off our keychain. Yeah, but that, but, but that was um, a lot of it. And when we switched to Kawe, those were challenging years. That dyno never shut off, ever. And oh, for years, and Gaddis came along, a great kid, and and um, God, that first race, that main event, is burned into my memory. I remember, like he pulled the whole shot, and he's leading, and we're and we're racing Doug Henry again, and good guys. I mean, Doug Phil Lawrence, factory Honda, Phil Lawrence, yeah, factory Phil. God, that guy had. There's some testing stories I could tell you about that guy, <laughs> Railroad Canyon. But anyway, um, so we're racing. You know, we're racing legit guys, right? Yeah. And and Jimmy goes out and wins the first race. You know, he was leading, and then he falls right in front of me. And I look over, and Mark Johnson and Jose Gonzalez are standing in the doorway, and they just went, oh. Because they, they put it all in line with us that year because Honda dropped us. And we didn't have a budget to, to speak with. And um, he picks that bike up and gets going again. I'm like, dude, you did not just fall, you know? And then <laughs> Doug Henry's in second, I think. I might be a little wrong in some of this, but he pulls back away and wins the opener. He's only raced one all year, but he had, he had races where he should have won. Like he yeah. was right there and a lapper got in his way or this happened or that happened. He was legit fast, is my point yeah. here. But so were the other guys, like Phil yeah, and, yeah. And, and Doug Henry's no slouch. And, you know, it just came down to Damon Huffman came down to those guys had some bad races and Jimmy just kept plugging along (laughs) and we get to Vegas and Mitch was racing cars back then. Yeah. So he wasn't even at Vegas for the final race. Was that the last race he ever missed? No, he didn't miss the, (laughs) he didn't miss the whole thing. I mean, he, that's another story. There's all kinds of stories, but he, he's, you know, he's trying to get there in time. Right. And, uh, our main events going on as he, he pulls in just as the main events over and Sharon, Sharon Richards is, you know, love her to death. She's at our truck putting balloons up and having champagne bottles and everything. Cause I mean, the race isn't finished yet, but she's, she's doing it. But at any second, she can just tear it all down. <laughs> if she needs to. Shove it all out the back. Yeah. So Mitch comes in, who's winning, who's winning. And he's, she see, he sees all that. And someone says, I, oh, I, I don't know who's winning. I, I forget who won the race, but Jimmy didn't, but he, Jimmy's going to win the championship and the race ended. And you know, we won the championship yeah. and you know, the, the, you know, that wasn't a good bike, but we made it work. You know, yeah. we, we had a lot of help from Cowie. Um, I remember Rick Ash even helping me with some, some su- suspension settings back then and stuff like that because, um, you know, that was KYB and we switched from Showa on the yeah. peak Hondas to <laughs> KYB and we had help from Showa back then. Showa's been a great to us through, through all the years, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, a big it change big for change, many yeah. reasons. Wasn't there some chatter before that final race there in Vegas? Like Jimmy came out and said something like, 
You know, he's got that squeaky little voice. I don't know if you knew Jimmy Gass. I've seen I him came here tonight to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum or something like that. Oh, yes. And for him to say kick ass, it was like, oh, you know, his mom was like, you'd probably. Well, that was on the starting here. line. I remember that, that deal. <laughs> Ali Seymour was his mechanic, and Ali's the one that told us the story. You're not going to believe what he just said because they would go down the line and <laughs> yes, interview I all the writers. That. And then all these and that was That was his, comments. like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fired up. I'm going to win this race. I get to the next rider. Yeah, I've been testing, I've been working. I came here to kick ass and, or chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> and Phil was Phil Lawrence was running his mouth trying to yeah. psych Jimmy out. And anyway, there was a lot of, I remember there being a lot of drama. Well, so some things haven't changed. There's still yeah. a lot yeah. of water, water, water going on behind the scenes. Still a dirt bike. <laughs> and that was 93, right? Yeah. So 94, you guys brought in Dob. Rhino. Rhino. Oh, that's right. So... I came on the team in 95, and I remember... Dob broke his arm at the, or wrist at the practice track. I, that, was, that made me throw up, watch the whole thing. Yeah, he case, didn't crash. Case to triple, snap. Yeah. Broke his... Broke his uh, wrist. And, ah, just screaming, walks up to me, and it's like in three or four different directions. And I'm like, dude, before cell phones, you couldn't do anything. What did you say? Yeah. Stop screaming? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, we got to get you to the hospital. I don't yeah. know which one, but we got to go somewhere and... Couldn't grab a cell phone and call anybody. It was before cell phones back then. And you probably saw some pretty bad ones, huh? I mean, you've been around long enough to. I know crash at that track once and split his face. He still has a scar to this day from that. Split yeah, his face wide his open. Yeah, that's not that's not fun. Uh, my first year managing this team, the Troy Lee team, was when Christian Craig broke his back, mm. and I want to say it was the first time out on the bike or something on this particular bike, the test bike, and we had a valve break. It was well within its service limit hours and everything. Yeah. It was just a fluke deal. But I, and those things the bike, happen. The bike shuts off, he gets bucked, and I just, it's dead silent. You know, I don't know if you've had a moment like that where everything goes into slow yeah. motion, and I just, he gets hit by the bike and it knocks him. He would have landed on his feet, maybe broke his ankle or something, but the bike hits him and knocks him his feet out from yeah. under him, and he hits the ground, and it's like I can hear, yep. I could hear his bones break. If, yeah. if that... Anyway, it was like one of the roughest things, you know, as he's laying there and I'm hauling up to him, are you okay, you know? And You feel so okay. helpless at that point, too. Yeah, that's the hard part of our sport. I had a lot of sports, too, but, you know, over the years I've seen so much of that happen and it's like, gosh, why am I doing this? But it's a passion. I mean, I was at the track standing there when I watched David Bailey crash. Were you? At Huron, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was standing right there. Stupid <sighs> little out-of-the-corner little... Two little speed bumps on the track, you know, and people just, eh, eh. Well, he, you know, he's all technical. Finesse came out, decided he was going to double them. No big deal. Double them and clipped it, and it just slow motion. Like, oh, he, he's going to get up. That's what they say sometimes. It's, 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 it's angles. It's, it's not yeah. the yeah, angles game. Even like, I remember people talking about with Fonseca. I mean, I've seen Ernie take some big hits, and he's like the rubber band man that bounced up. <laughs> and the people that saw him the day that he had his big injury said, same thing. Tagged, tagged a jump, just kind of rode the front end, went over the bars into, the, into a berm. And there were people that said they were waiting for him to get up, and he didn't get up. Yep. No one like, yeah. Buttons really? the same way, into a little set of whoops. It was like a roller into some whoops. Yeah. Real, real slow. Yep. Yeah. I've got a, that sudden stop? I've got a, speaking of Ernie, Ernie first came to the U.S., um, rode out of a shop called Beach Sport Yamaha in Florida, and we went to the Dog Winter Olympics, and we helped him. So we built his bikes. The end of the weekend... He and some other riders, and I forget the guy that managed, you know, managed all these kids, but came up to the, came up to our tent and gave us this jersey. 
and Ernie, Ernie had signed it. I gave him the nickname Ernie. Ernie had signed it, thanks for all the help, or something like that, to Bones and Jimmy, Jimmy Perry. Mm-hmm. And I still have that. Oh, yeah? When he got hurt, um, good friends with his dad. His dad used to always come in the shop. And when he got hurt and kind of rehabilitated a little bit, and he still comes in the shop every now and then. Mm-hmm. One, I, one of these days, I pulled the jersey out and showed it to him. He's like, no way. I go, is there any way, you know, his hands don't work so good right now, but he's still just a great guy. Yeah. And got him to sign it again. That's rad. Like, you know, how, to, how many years later. That is um, cool. Yeah. I still have that to this day. I just saw it the other day. I was looking for something else and, uh, and came across that jersey. That's pretty neat. Um, tell me about your relationship with Mitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's softened over the years. When I, when I started there, yeah. I mean, there, the stories about him being no. tyrannical are there's some They're truth true. to him. They're yeah, true. I mean, I, I remember. You warned me even when I was going there. You're like, Mitch is a great guy, but if you work for him, it's going to be a little tough. Well, and I think Ramsey was the guy that sort of opened his eyes to him needing to sort of Ramsey. cater Ramsey. his cater his uh, the way he dealt with riders to that specific rider, right? Because back in the day, it was just iron fist. It was his way, and that yeah. was it, right? Nathan Ramsey will have stories of testing with me similar to yours i used to have this cassette i st- actually i still have it sun setting moisture's rising I, I have this cassette in player. my brain <laughs> i have this cassette player i know you did we've seen it i put on the back of the box truck and it had uh they and elvis didn't sing any of these songs but they were elvis songs that other people would sing and i would just play this over <laughs> and over and ramsey would look bones can i just pull my truck up here and put some normal music on you break your lap time at this track and you can do whatever you want but until then that tape is playing <laughs> and i still have it to this day but oh nathan he's a good guy but yeah his first run-ins were mitch weren't, weren't too good and mitch put his foot down with him i don't remember the exact story and got all gnarly with him and then finally he and nathan butted heads and finally mitch goes yeah, do whatever you want to do no I, I want your advice but then he he actually buckled down i don't remember the whole story but i know it was heated for a while but then he buckled down and did the job and and crushed it that year. And then he mm-hmm. hurt his wrist. I, yeah, he did hurt his wrist yeah. or navicular or something. Sca- yeah, scaphoid navicular. I remember being at the shop on a Saturday, and he's like, this, he has this cast, and I'm trying to sand it on the belt sander to make it not cut his thumb open and stuff like that from the, the second year. But great guy, Nathan. So you and Mitch, did you ever have any, any fallouts? I mean, I'm sure that you did. Yeah, but it was stupid stuff. Yeah. You know, it wasn't anything about... I mean, sometimes it's probably about working, but I can just, the, every time I remember just, we got in these brawls and they were just, no, but they were fun brawls, stupid brawls, <laughs> being at the airport, going to Motocross of Nations in 1987 and, ah, oh, Buddy Morgan wearing a helmet in the airport and just getting in beefs with him about this and about that and fireworks, wars at the shop. We had, t- we'd closed the fence and we had, one team on one side, another team were just shooting fireworks off at each other, oh, clearing well, the shop out we, and having we, little we know, freewheelers. We know <laughs> Mitch likes to work hard, but yeah. he also likes to play yeah. hard. And I think that might be something we all had a little bit in common. Yeah. But but for all those years, I mean, I, I've always thought that, and I think a lot of people might have, is, you know, you guys were theoretically like a marriage. I mean, you were peanut butter and jelly. And, and even from my time there, when I went there, I, I felt like a signed to go for Mitch, to go ride for Mitch Payton. Even though it's pro circuit, you think Mitch Payton. Then when I was there, I quickly realized, well, shoot, in my opinion, without Bones, Mitch is not who he is. 
So you guys yeah. had this marriage. That's yeah. that's my that's my yeah. feeling um, from maybe the modern day. But over all those years, it to me it's still remarkable that that you guys were able to do as much as you did, and through all of this, make it happen. So there had to be, like you said, there had to be some tough times. But you yeah. also feel like there's got to be. Like just like it's literally like a marriage, you well, know. Just, you fight just, as a yeah, couple, but yeah. you work as a team, and, and you become stronger hey, and better. Bottom line, Mitch is the best friend I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I see that. No, it truly is. I mean, he's he's had no matter what happens. I never, ever, ever felt like he didn't have my back. Yeah, well, he's loyal. Ever. Yeah, he's very like loyal. if something happened catastrophically, I don't know, outside of work. I know he would have my back. Yeah. And whatever it takes to fix it, to handle it, to do it, just yeah. do it. Just do it. Yeah. And, me, and and his mom and dad, too. Yeah. Like, I had Thanksgiving once with him and family. Yeah. For yeah, sure. So, and, and yeah, families fight and argue sometimes, but. Yeah. It's still and, family. And, and, End of the day, it's still family. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of years that were uh, tough for me and GL. <laughs> 2000 and 2001. We had both, uh, this was before you went there and after I had already been at Pro Circuit. <clears throat> and I was riding for Suzuki at the time and got into a, battle, a championship battle with two of your guys. It was Talon Boland at first, and then he ended up crashing out, and Shea Bentley ended up right. being the guy that was in second. And we were racing for a title right down to the last round. Gio mentioned it earlier. Yeah, I remember Sorry. that race, obviously. Was that uh, part of it? Was that the. Volan got hurt earlier, crashed out maybe three or four rounds in. But he so was Volan won Anaheim that year? Was that the year? No, and, he won and Anaheim. Bentley DNF the, the opening first round. race Bentley. because he hurt his wrist. Yeah. No, that was the following year. That was when I was yeah. here. That was 01. Well, the year Bentley the won the champion. title, he DNF'd a race. The first round. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Chain Some, maybe? Or no, something. wrist. Something with the wrist. Because remember, he had his levers up like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I do remember. Could, I do remember when I first came to Anaheim problems. one, and I'm nervous, and I'm like, "Oh, there's a defending champs bike." I'm like, "What's going on with those?" Yeah. It looks like someone just put the bars on and hasn't yeah. said things. I'm sure he'll straighten those up, and he pulls up the start line. I got wrist like, problems. I'm like, "Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't imagine why." <laughs> why don't you raise your keyboard up a little bit more and see how that feels? No, <laughs> but I remember the last race like it was yesterday. So that was a wild race. Um, I had, I had, I want to say I had a. A 12 or 14 point lead at Minneapolis. And then that's when I got in my pileup and bent my front brake. Yeah, I don't remember specifics other than the last race I remember. Well, so Shea won Minneapolis. I could only get back to like 16th or something because I could mm. barely jump anything. And so he went into that last round. Uh, I don't know. The, uh, he had to, I had to win. He had to get seventh. Yeah. I that was the numbers. Was. Yeah. So we all went down in the first turn. Yeah. Thanks to. Well, yeah, Mitch always says that uh, there was some conspiracy for yeah, Robbie Horton to take everybody. Uh, down. Robbie Horton and yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know who Bogart. I was about to say the other. Oh, I don't. Those two lined Suzuki up on guy. each side of yeah. Those. So we. There was nothing planned, at least as far as I oh, knew. Oh, there was. We because uh, we heard, you just didn't know about it. Yeah, you know, we heard about it because Sharon Richards had walked by the Suzuki tent just nonchalantly and just heard it going down. Oh yeah, and there was Horton on one side and Bogart on the other side. I'm pretty sure Mike Ring had something to do with it, but well, I didn't know anything about it. I, but and I believe that. But we all went down if, the first if, turn. If that was an orchestrated deal, I would leave you out of it. Yeah, you know. But well, anyway, you got collected in every it. single one. Well, of us went say, down. The, the, Schnell the, the, got the, punted the, off the, the track. The, the minute Schnell they planned something, like, all right, you need to take yeah. someone out. Oh, I just forgot to mention not the entire pack <laughs> and the guy that we're trying to help. Exactly. <laughs> 
So those things Did I do a good job? I took everybody out. So, so when that happened, when that happened, I was standing there. When that happened, and everybody went down in that first turn, I turned around, and I looked at the starting line, and oh, can't remember his name now. Which mechanic for one of the guys? His brother was also a, uh, in the industry. Worked for me for a little bit. Um, if he said his name, I'd know it. But I saw those two. F- yeah, it worked. High five in each other. Oh yeah. Gosh, who was it? And worked for us for a little bit. And blood pressure went through the roof. Anyways, <sighs> well, can't remember their names, but yeah. So anyway. it was. It was. There was something there. Let's just leave it at that. There was something that w- that was that was well, supposed to happen at that race, and it happened. <laughs> I rode my face off and got second. You did. And uh, Shay crashed again. Oh, he crashed right? a bunch of times. Still, he got seventh. Yeah. And I had to win, and he had to get seventh. That well, didn't he get eighth? Which made it like I don't know. Two points? Whatever it was, Schnell ended up. Which we helped Schnell at the time. We did Schnell's I, bikes. Schnell ended up winning that race. You told me one day that you weren't even sure. No, wait, wait, none of us were sure. I had a cheat sheet. And you were saying you I had all the scenarios and I had a pencil and I'm like <laughs> I didn't have this scenario. And then he was there. Yeah, he exactly. Was there. So I'm doing this and Mitch is next to me and he's looking up to me and he's like, Well, he's tugging on me as well, and I'm looking down at Mitch and I'm like, <laughs> We didn't do it, dude. I think and I and I had, I looked at it later after the race and I added wrong. Oh, okay. Well in the heat and of the moment. I had Schnell easy. winning the championship on my little pad of paper and I'm just looking at Mitch, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. And all, and we're just everybody's, and I'm standing next to Shay. Mitch is standing, sitting next to me, and we're all just sitting there looking at each other, like. And then all of a sudden, I think it fired down from above, and Coombs, Shay went, yeah, and went ballistic, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was like that was a gnarly night. That was a gnarly, that, probably yeah. the craziest finish to a, a championship that I can remember. Yeah. <clears throat> now, what about yours? A one. That was great. GL goes, goes out with a, a bad wheel at the very last moto. All he had to do was cruise around. Were you guys already kind of like, all right, well, oh, not yeah. going to happen? Well, leading up to that race, there was already tension. Yeah, there was, there was tension like you couldn't believe. We, we, we were on the orange side, and he was on the yeah. green side. And there was, a, there was a divide. I even remember, you know, Beeks. Beeker even said, it was horrible. I went over to Pro Circuit. Yeah. And then mechanics so, like, get out of here, go back to the KTM GL truck. GL may not know this this story, but our day started off like almost dying, like literally. We almost Jimmy Perry almost blew the entire semi up, literally. What happened? So Mike Brown, Mike Brown comes to the track, and Mike Brown has he's from Tennessee, so he has relatives which are also from that backwoods area, right? Okay. He comes with a jug of water. Sets it on the counter. Hey, this is from my cousin's uncle. Well, it's not water. It's moonshine. You, oh, my God. It's got a pro circuit sticker on it. And he goes, this will be after after the race. You know, he's all cocky and confident and, and uh, sets it on the counter. Well, Jimmy Perry comes in, decides he's going to make some coffee. Oh, no. <laughs> Swear to God. Moonshine in the coffee maker. So he just fires the thing up. <laughs> oh, there's a jug of water. <laughs> oh, my he pours gosh. it in there, just burning away. I mean, it's for real gnarly Did it moonshine. Blow up? No, but it, like, he makes this jug of coffee, right? And he pours a couple cups of coffee, <laughs> one for himself, walks out. Big Rick's out there because Ricky's riding a 125. He would have been there anyways. He always hangs out at a truck. Yeah. But hands a cup to Mitch, hands a couple. And he's going back in to pour himself a cup. And what the fuck? You know, out there, <laughs> and I go out, and Mitch and Big Rick are like, what is in this? What? I just made a cup of coffee like I always make. Ooh, taste it. 
Oh my God! We're, what did you pour in that jug? And Mike Brown, that's not water. That's moonshine. <laughs> he was probably pissed. They wasted the good moonshine. <laughs> so that's how the morning started off. So, yeah. And then the racing went on, and I don't. I just remember. I mean, that was a tough year for Mike Brown. He he took so much babysitting to get to that point. I mean, yeah. there would there would be. We sent him down to Carmichael's and. We thought Ricky was, you know, mentoring him and taking, and Ricky calls us one day, goes, when are you going to stop sending stuff to my house? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, all these, these boxes are just piling up here. Well, we sent them there for Mike. He's not even here. Why do you keep sending them? He's not there. Yeah, he was back in Tennessee, huh? He went back. He just, we all thought he was burning laps with Ricky, and we just kept sending oh, stuff geez. to Ricky's house. He wasn't even there. He just, fuck it, going home. So it was like we had to we had to corral him like every and then he would just always do this stupid stuff. You Binghamton, you remember Binghamton? I was standing in that corner. He pulls a whole shot and comes up, and you're behind him, and he just turns around and come on, you want to race? Let's go. I'm like, why would you do that to someone like GL? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, oh Good my point. god, like you just what happened? I, I don't remember that race. He, he just, was faster than me, but he just fired GL up like. And you know what? I cleaned he, him out he, and won yeah. both motos. He pa- he passed GL. I don't know if that got physical, and I don't remember that. But the very no, he next was corner, quicker than me. I remember thinking, but he, I was so pissed. But he just turns around close. and eggs him on. I'm like, who would that not fire up? Well, he also said, "Come on, motherfucker, let's yeah, go." Yeah, well, I couldn't hear that, but it was. And I was like, "Oh, that just happened." Yeah. And I was so mad. I remember I tried everything to hang with him, but <laughs> patience. Mr. Patience here just waited, 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 waited till his time was right, and then done. Huh. I went. I I did. That was, that's one of those times where I don't even blame him. I mean, say, I'm like I I would have done it. I went for the kill. Yeah, yeah. I went for the jugular. There was a, there was a turn and the, the little rhythm section. Deep, yeah, yeah, and to jump the step down and single, you had to go around the rut because it was so gnarly. And I was just like, I'm going to win this motor. And I'm like, I don't know where to pass him because I was giving everything I had. I remember he was really fast, and I think that's why he was taunting me. And, and uh, th- like you said, wrong, wrong thing to do with me. Yeah. If he didn't have done that, I swear he would have won both motors yep. and it would have been a lot less dramatic. But I was adamant, come hella high water, my life was on the line, I was going to do it. And then there was this rut, and I remember he was going outside. And every time I thought, wow. And, and on the last lap, if I just go in coming. there and launch out, we're going to arrive at the exit of the corner. And yeah. you know what? I'll make sure my bike's in. It was, it was almost the perfect T-bone. And uh, it, Duke Finch was not a big fan afterwards. And uh, so remember the mechanics were even yeah. shoving each other in the pit area because Brownie's mechanic, so he was that English guy. Who was it? Who was his mechanic? Really? Oh, he, had that, he had that arrogant English guy. Yeah. And he dude, pissed he off was, my uncle and everyone that was yeah. on the KTM team. And then there was like a bit of a, I wouldn't say a fist no, fight, but they were shoving I'm and bad pushing. With names. And he, if he's listening, he's going to kill me that I can't remember his name. But it's not worth remembering. Uh, he was a good guy. But anyway, there was another race at um, Steel City. Last far back turn before you come up towards the finish line. And out of nowhere on the last lap, he turns around and flips you off. Like he did you, and he gets to the finish line. Did you see him hit me? I go, he didn't hit you. I should have. I backed out. But I don't know why he said that. He goes, he didn't hit me. And I go, or he didn't hit you. And he goes, yeah, he did. He tried to take me out. I go, no, he didn't. No, I backed out. I should have. Duke Finch warned me that if I took him out, that he would. But after the race, like he watched it again. Oh, I swear, I thought he hit me. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we had some. So and some testy times. Mike Brown, we. 
we, we helped Mike Brown forever. I mean, Jim's motorcycles forever. We have so much history. Whatever Mike Brown wanted, we did it for him. And then it got kind of ugly. At I the remember end. that whole deal when he was on a privateer, privateer Honda, Honda, and, and he you guys were helping him of not doing the right thing, and <clears throat> and and that just pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Like, like I remember that deal. We poured our heart and soul into that bike, and I remember being it because I think he won uh, Bud's Creek that year. It was Father's Day, and he was so stoked. I and remember that day. You talking about I won? He was on a Honda, whatever day it was. No, was it, no it wasn't a one. Tedesco, oh, no. Tedesco was racing against him, and maybe, maybe the year yeah, before yeah, you came. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 04. 04, yep. So we, no, 05. It was 05. Well, then you were there. Yeah. So I we, was already injured, I think. We, we came back to the truck, and Tedesco goes, man, why are you helping this guy? And I'm like, that's what we do at Pro Circuit. We yeah. help riders. You know, and, and, that's the, and I remember like, other people saying, that's the best thing you could do for your business. For well, sure. the service department took care of Mike Brown's bike. I did the suspension, and I'm doing the best job I can do no matter who it's for. Yeah. And they were – Dave Chase was there, and he was so – he would pour his those. heart and soul into that motor and the service – they would come into the race shop on a Monday morning if Mike Brown beat our guys. We kicked your ass this weekend. <laughs> I mean, they were so proud of that bike. Yeah. I heard that once. And, and the wheels really started unraveling ass. with Mike, and he accused us of not – I remember – Mike Brown's wife, Missy, calling Mitch one day. And I remember walking by Mitch's office, and, and, and if you know Mitch, he couldn't get a word in edgewise. He, but Missy, but Missy, I promise you, but Missy. You know, he, and she was, he was getting chewed out by his, Mike Brown's wife, Missy. And Who's really involved. No, I mean, she was, she, no, I'm she, she was cool. I mean, there was nothing. I, I don't mean I've never bad seen, by her. I've seen her around that They much. really thought that we did something on purpose to sabotage his program. Yeah. And yeah. It, I remember him saying that it really, really hurt. You guys were purposely detuning his bikes yeah, and, and <clears throat> so that he wasn't. Competitive. I'm here. I was in the mix of everything. I'm here to promise you in a stack of Bibles that that never happened. I remember that. We poured our heart and soul into that bike. Dave Chase did. The service guys did. We dynoed it every time. I mean, there's some things that went down on the dyno at the end. He sent some guy over to watch it that, uh, where the results got a little, ske- you know, screwed up. But bottom line is, we had built him a good bike, and it yeah. got him, and, and we weren't – every time that bike got rebuilt, it got put on the dyno to make sure it was bitching, and it got shipped to him, and we poured our heart and soul into that program just like we would anything we would do, and that, that kind of stung when that yeah, went down. Yeah, I can imagine it does. But <clears throat> it's, It questions your, your loyalty and your integrity. Yeah, you exactly. Know? But, you know, at some point, I think we've all had that questioned. You know, I remember you, you were talking about Larry Brooks earlier. One, one of the reasons I, I was adamant – to leave KTM was I had felt that Larry Brooks, who has now been the team manager and the guy in charge, who had basically said to me, I don't think you're really, I don't think you're putting in the effort. And I'm like, I hate the damn bike. I don't know what else to tell you. I also changed, you won't do it. And then you tell me I'm not putting my heart and soul into it, which actually led to, I'm leaving this team and I'm going to go somewhere where I can win. And as people know, I didn't leave KTM for the money at yeah. Pro Circuits. Everyone knew, you don't go to Mitch Payton to get rich. You go to there to win. And, but once you start winning, guess what? Yep. The money yeah. starts rolling in and all that good stuff. But I bet I got paid less when I went there. Probably. No, but that was Mitch's <laughs> I remember deal saying, then, you know, I, I remember saying to Mitch, man, this is like, I'm getting paid nothing. And you look back, you're like, ah. Most people would no, be like, I'll hey, take that. Nothing in 05 was a lot different than nothing <laughs> the 90s, in 95. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you the times are way different now, but you don't have a choice now. But to pay pay a guy, like you said, if you if you do your job and you win races, you're gonna make money. 
Yeah. The you bonuses know, so, are great these so, days. So the motivating factor is still there. Yeah. If you're yeah. willing to work and you are confident in yourself to do the job, and, and typically with our race team through history, that formula worked out great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and. Well, as that old saying, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I think, I think that that's a true testament to that. And more often than not, luck will go your way. I mean, even when there's a bit of bad luck, I mean, think about it. For you, for me, for anyone, look at the year. Over the years, people say, oh, man, I was unlucky here, I was unlucky there. But no one ever goes, man, I got lucky there. Or yeah. I lucked into that. Or that was kind of good. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's a lot of balancing when you weigh it out. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned a little bit about Dave Chase. He was at uh, Honda for a long time, but also a part of that pro circuit family, and, and we lost him a number of years back. But another yeah. another big hit to the pro circuit family was Danny Hamill. And yeah. I know you were pretty tight with him. Yeah. Uh, Danny. It's been a while family. now. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still I, like their, their family, his family is like my second family. Still, oh, you still in oh, touch with still, him? Oh, yeah, all oh, the time. Know you know, we we go up and have dinner with him all the time, and they were at our wedding. And um, great family. Danny, Danny was one of a kind. Um, as far as an off road rider, desert, whatever. I mean, I used to uh, make references about watching, like, you go to a desert race and you. Or whether it was Mexico or wherever, and you'd watch Danny ride a bike, and you'd just, just, my God, watch him. I used to take friends with me, just come out and watch this guy ride, and they're just like, you're kidding me right now. And no matter how many times I saw him ride, you know, it was just that reaction, you know. And uh, I used to say it was kind of like watching Carmichael race nationals, you know, like I, I, I was literally just thinking that, yeah, that was my, it, that's how I relate. It, it never, like you, just. Oh my God, you know, yeah. it just never stopped. And the, the amount of talent that guy had on a motorcycle was crazy. I mean, he, we used to go do the, he used to go and race motocross at Paris at night, the night races yeah. on a KX250. And he had skills. I mean, I, I kept thinking, Dan, you should come down here more often. You can make money doing this, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but his passion was off road. That's where he grew up. That's where his yeah. family took him in the deserts of Nevada to start yeah. riding, you know, dirt bikes. And I remember one of the first races I ever went to. Myself, Mitch, and Buddy Morgan drove up in 1988, maybe something like that. Went up to just remember the old motocross where they had the nationals at the at the track in Boulder. There, I don't know if you remember that track yeah. down there. Okay, that was the so, first world mini I ever went to. So across the street in those mountains was there was a desert race, a big desert race. I mean, riders from all across the you know country came to this desert race, and I just started kind of getting involved in this, and I remember. Uh, Mark Johnson, in charge of Team Green back then, gave me the job holding up the big green thumb out there to show the riders <laughs> where the pits were. <laughs> well, this kid on an RM250 came flying by, and I'm like, what the hell is that? He's leading the race. I go, that's Danny Hamley. He lives up here. I'm like, God dang. And we helped uh, Well, we helped all the Team Green guys, Larry Rossler and everybody at that time. And we helped John, a kid named John Brash, who... Grew up in the desert and race desert and worked for Cowie for a long time. Now he mm-hmm. works on bikes out of his garage. But he um, he was sponsored by Yamaha. Came there with a box truck. And that was still, to this day, the most miserable day I've ever had testing in my life was <laughs> testing with John Brash on the desert. But um, anyway, so Danny didn't win that race, but he sparked everybody's eyes. I mean, he was just a young kid. And then he, wrote, he had some success with KTM. And then Kawasaki hired him. And then we helped him and came on board. And he just... 
he just roared through the desert. I mean, he won five AMA National Desert Championships in a row, countless Baja races. And, you know, on top of all the success and, and the person or the, the talent that that kid had, like if you, either one of you guys had met that guy, like, and talked to him for a half hour or so, hung out anywhere with him, you would have left thinking, I'm, I'm taking this guy's phone number before cell phones, yeah. but I'm going to take this guy's phone number down. This guy's cool. This guy's my friend. Yeah. Like instantly, oh, cool. my best friend. He, he, I, cause I met him once and, oh, yeah. um, I, he probably didn't remember me. It was kind of in passing, but he, he had the same effect on you that Nikki Hayden had. Hmm. Um, that was how he, he rubbed me. They're obviously different personalities, but Nikki, when you talk to Nikki, yeah. I, again, I didn't know him great, but I felt like we were buddies. We, yeah, we did yeah. the X Games together one time, and I, I felt like I could call him on the phone and just be like, hey, man, what's up? And he would yeah. he would just be friendly with you. And Danny, Such a great guy. Danny felt the same way. Yeah. I, I didn't know Danny, but referring to Nikki, it was, it was funny because only when he passed away, I realized it kind of hit me harder than I expected because you're like, it's yeah. one of my best friends. It's someone I've respected, I've seen. And then I realized I'm like, man, like, like you said, there was so something nice. about yeah. it that... It, it he had that infectious personality yeah. where everyone just gravitated and wanted to like. There's certain people you want to like. It's hard not to like. It's family, everything about him was just like it just took you in and yeah. I mean, t- countless hours in the desert testing with that guy. I'm one of the, we went testing up in a place called Red Mountain, kind of off 395. Yeah. Uh, one day and it was kind of stormy out and it was cold and we had box trucks backed up and. His dad, Homer, had it easy up, up, and it was pouring rain, and he'd go out and ride, and the desert racers don't care. Well, then desert, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like exactly. They're like, primo conditions. Yeah, and let's it's go. cold as hell, and I'm up, and as soon as he takes off, I go up in the front of the box truck, I got the heater on, and he comes back, rides up the door, I roll the window down, roll it down. Uh, how is it? Oh, it's doing this, doing this. Screwdriver on the back, go two clicks softer. <laughs> roll Tell the window back think. up, and he takes off in the desert for another 20 minutes, and comes back, and... You know, the next day we go back out there and he, he wins, obviously. And it was, you know, there's snow on the mountains right there. And I mean, just awesome stories of testing yeah. with that guy in the desert or going down to Mexico and testing with him. But yeah, great guy. Yeah, yeah just my, a great guy. And my hat's off to all, anybody that can jump on a KX500 well, and go <laughs> wide open through the freaking desert the way he did. Um, it was crazy. It's so sketchy to me. It's crazy. You know, people have said, hey, you can, you, go- you, can Google, you can Google Danny Hamill to this day, and there'll be some oh, videos yeah. there that'll blow you away. On YouTube, if you want to be impressed. Going crazy. Yeah. Bones, I, I've always wanted to actually ask you this question, which is... Uh-oh. That's not, not that deep. Yeah. But <laughs> we talked about it a little bit off, off the air, but over the years, when you look at it looking back, you've worked with so many just legends of... Of the industry, you know, whether it's... Thanks, GL. That's, that's nice. Yeah, just, 2000. Yeah. <laughs> but here's two of them, you know. I mean, we're not saying <laughs> legends. I'm sorry. I'm saying two of the people you've worked with. Do you ever look back and go, wow, I know you gave me... You actually, because I mentioned this before, and you gave me your Rolodex. Can you <laughs> share with people? No, we have the list. We're, we're going to post that on our website. He told uh, me. He go said to the whiskey and look at this list of people Bones has worked with. I try to guess. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I was just under 50%. And he even said, professional, moto, off-road, you know, any professional motorcycle racer. And I was like, that's been a lot. A lot. And I'm thinking at least 200. 
I said probably 250, maybe 300. You know, a little over 600, a little over 600. I, and I started Professional. This, yeah. yeah. Well, the great thing about that list, at least for me, it was really fun, was I saw names I hadn't thought about or heard. Yeah, in that's the so cool part. Long. That's one of the reasons I made it. You know, I didn't made it to toot my own horn, but I, um, Adam Walters, who, who took over for me at Pro Circuit, was our show a guy for the last number of years. Yeah. Uh, great guy. Like, couldn't have not p- picked a better guy. Like, he has the passion that I, you know, that I still had, but just with the youth mixed yeah, in with it sure. still. And just, and he's, he's just doing great over there. I mean, he's, anyway, so um, he told me one day, he goes, hey, check that out, Bones, all the people I've worked with. And there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people and there were good names and everything. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. And I, so it just made me start thinking one day. And so I'd started digging out all my old spec books and I never throw anything away. Especially yeah. your, especially your if, lap times. If you don't know about Bones's file system, it's, <laughs> it's literally sheets and sheets and sheets of paper and notebooks that he's penciled everything down. There's but the no worst, computers. But the worst part is, <laughs> and it's so, not even filed. He, but he can go and find. <laughs> and he told me what, last time at the shop, he's like, "You and Villapoto's lap times from feeling up in the high desert on a horrible, <laughs> miserable, cold day." And he had like every lap from our motos, and he goes. You were really fast that day. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Bones had a flip phone until just a couple months ago. Uh, he finally know, got uh, Debbie, some. Debbie, yeah, another story. Yeah. Debbie's bringing him into the 21st century. I, got, I, can't, I can't believe you got rid of the flip. I know. I got one of those flat things now. It's pissing me off. Yeah. Before, you just flip it, and there it is. Yeah. This is bullshit. Like I Captain wouldn't. Kirk on Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. How are you? <laughs> Question mark. Or you got to hit Send. the the three four times to get the letter. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What number are you going to be this year? Four times through. So retirement. Um, what brought it on? You said kind of the stress of it and all yeah. that. I mean, what, what was it? Yeah, that's a tough one, Ping. And you've put the time, and I yeah. don't. I'm not second guessing your decision or anything. But you know, I feel like I'm kind of in grand scheme of things young to do this but it it wasn't about the age it was about the time you know I I got to the point where I was getting upset with myself more than anything where I couldn't do a good job at you know I I was trying to do too much maybe or couldn't do as good a job because I'm I'm passionate about everything I do and I want to do it right and I just felt like I was letting people down Mm. you know and I was stressing out about that I I felt like you know I, I you know, there's a lot of people on the backgrounds that goes into all of this stuff. And anything yeah. I've done through my career, it's not just me. You know, it's it's a team yeah, for sure. of everybody at the shop. It's everybody, Ralph and the boys in, the, yeah, in there. Yeah, I mean, back and, in the day, Ronnie yeah. Jennings. And just I could go on for the guys that that have helped me with this. And and um, there's a team of people. It's it's You guys know that. And so I got to the point where I just was – you know, whether it's a race team or whether it's customers or whether it's amateur riders, because I'm still involved. I'm still involved with all that, and and still am, um, on a smaller level. This got to the feeling got got the feeling where I was kind of just letting everybody down because I I couldn't do the job that I used to do. You know, I was getting older or whatever, and and I was stressing out about it, and it just you know, and, we and call it, that getting spread thin. Yeah, but it was more than that. I just felt like, you know, and I had to talk with Mitch. I just I just feel like. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to anybody. And and I think everything can be better if I just step away. We'll get someone young in that that uh, is capable of being a little better on the computer, which I <laughs> am not clearly. I was gonna say it's it's just the new generation being computerized <coughs> and being everything a little more efficient yeah. and being 
you know, just everything a little cleaner, just bringing it more into the new age that it had to be done. That had to be done. Yeah. Yeah. To, that to, happened to, with dealerships and everything. Yeah. I mean. And I'm not capable of doing that, no matter how hard I tried, you know, and it was just killing me. Mm. And so I, I had a couple long talks with Mitch about it and, you know, and, and it kind of just all started molding together and, and, you know, we, we picked the right guy to take over for sure. Adam's killing it over there and he's, and it's been, you know, I'm sure it's been tough on him and I'm helping out wherever I can, wherever he wants me to help, I'm there for him. And, and I feel, I, I feel a little bit thankful that he's allowing me to do that a little bit. And, but he's, he's grabbing the bull by the horn and he's going to get it done. And that department is going to rock. I mean, it's already way better than it was. And, and it's, and as well as the race team, um, because he's, he's doing both just like I did. He's got help from show. He's got help from a lot of other people. And I'm helping with all this weird st- XR 400 set of suspension came in a couple weeks ago. And he's like, what is Nothing this? Nothing but the you know? best. <laughs> you know, so came down and helped him with that. And we had to order this last week and I came down and helped him with that. But it's, it's going to be better. Yeah. And I'll help when I can, but it just well, knowledge, knowledge is also key. Yeah, but it just the got to the computer can't do what yeah. knowledge can bring, and yeah. I think that that's we for sure will. Help. Well, like you just mentioned, like there's things he's he's asking you advice on. Yeah, we have retired firemen who are 30, 35 year, uh, you know, personnel at our department. And we have stations named after these guys now, and there's a oh, couple. That's cool. There's a couple that show up all the time, and they work on like we have a couple of old uh, 1940s and 1950s engines, and these guys will show up and they work on those, and they are in charge of maintaining those. And they'll come in and handle stuff for the union, and they still kind of pop in and pop around. But they, if you have a question about any of that old stuff, or how do we do things back then, anything historical, they, they will sit down and talk your ear off as long as you want to talk. And I think it's, it's cool that they stay involved like that, and, and it'll be the same way with you as much as you want to stay involved. Yeah. There's going to be people sending in old two-stroke suspension and where he might go, man, I don't yeah. know what to do with this. Like hey, my 86. Work, I was about to say, 86 well, I just, on the suspension I just dropped setup, going to come back and... <laughs> he just did a set of 86 <gasps> CR250 suspension for me. And he's like, yeah, I had to go in and coat the, the tubes because yeah, the metal thing. does this and that. You like, just reminded me of something. That's information that he doesn't know. He doesn't have. I've got so. an 86 CR250 that I'm going to be restoring soon. So, yeah. <laughs> Good news. i got suspension, dog. Why you just buy mine? It's done. Oh, Good point. <laughs> no, but any of that stuff. I mean, I I feel like um, he he's he's taking the bull by the horn. He's he's doing great, and that department's going to be better. And the race team is doing great. And if I can help, I'm there for him. If I can't, I'm going to cheer him on. I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader I can because it's been my life, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't I don't want to walk away, but I want it to succeed for sure. Yeah. And. But it's got to be his deal. You know, it's his. Yeah. And there's going to be some growing pains, but he's doing awesome. I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you don't, you don't have any ego involved with it. You just no. genuinely want to see it succeed. Yeah, and that's why sure. it will. Because you'll be there to back yep. him up and yep. make sure he doesn't So fall, it's, it's so. all going to be good. It's going to be better. For sure. 100%. Oh, Mo better. Yep. Well, what would you give? What advice would you give to the average rider out there who struggles to set up their suspension? This might seem like well, a really basic question. Yeah. But like, it, what it, we get it a lot. I, it I get it all the time. It is. There's um, a friend of mine just asked me the other day. Hey, I'm gonna. I've got my this old YZ450, you know, and I want to do this and do this. And I go, well, What do you What do you do with it? I just I go out in the desert and go riding. I go, That's an old bike. Just give me the suspension. I'm gonna take it to the shop. I'm gonna have those guys rebuild it, spring it for your weight, 
set the clickers where we think would be the best, you know, that that suspension could work in stock form. And for what you're doing, that's awesome. That's all you need. Save you some money. And that'll be awesome. Rebuild it. Get it back into working form. Because when it's shot, it, it'll be like a brand new bike for him. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, it's just shot inside. But I think that's a problem that people don't even think about on, on bikes anymore. Is Everyone's like, oh, I need to rebuild the motor. How often do people say, I need to rebuild my suspension? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know... Well, the, one of the bigger misconceptions with suspension is out there, and I still hear it to this day, and it's, it's like, well, yeah, but I, you know, I, no, I want to get it revalued. I go, that's awesome. If you're, if you're racing and you know, you're, you're good and you, and you want the best performance out, we can get it working way better, you know, depending on the bike. Some of the, some of the bikes are pretty good stock. Yeah. Well, especially and nowadays. Modern bikes, well, yeah. for sure, yeah. But even but but some of the bikes have specific problems. Some of the bikes can be made better, for sure. Some of the, you know, if they're worse, it's easy to make them better. But everything can be made to work better because you're you're dialing it in for an individual yeah. person, his riding style, the type of riding he's doing, and all that. But but you know, we'll get the guys that say, I, I tell them, I said, you don't need, you just need to rebuild it. Oh, I rebuild it all the time. I go, what do you mean you rebuild it? Because I'm thinking of a guy with a garage, you know, and yeah. I'm like, you can't physically do what we do at pro circuit or what other companies do also factory connections or whatever but you know you can't do that out of a garage i change oil all the time i said okay well back in the old days that used to be a big deal but nowadays just change the oil is the last thing that breaks down yeah, it's you know, the it's seals, like, right? It's, it's the, well, it's everything. It's like I use the it's analogy nitrogen, of nitrogen, isn't it? More than the, the it's, oil. it's everything. It's the wear parts. It's the shims get fatigued. <clears throat> I go. I, I said it's like it's like if you smoke your clutch, you're not just going to change the tranny oil and bring your clutch back to life. Right. Yeah. You got to replace the parts that are wearing out. Plates. So. Exactly. So it's the shims get fatigued. It's the it's the bushings that seal and pressurize the system. If they're blown, you. Just changing the oil is not going to do that much anymore. Hmm. It's not like the old days. So you got to get it gone through. And if unless you have a unless your garage is stocked full of every single part that that <laughs> suspension has inside, you can't do it properly. Yeah, yeah. And we stock all that stuff. Any any good reputable suspension shop is going to stock all that stuff. So if you're going to yeah change the oil every once in a while if you're capable of doing it, but that's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. Like I've had people, ah, I change oil all the time. Okay, let me watch you do it. And they come into the shop and they go back in our shop. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa stop, stop. Right off the bat, you just <laughs> jack this up. You know? There's air bubbles. <laughs> well, that, and there's, there's a lot more to it than what people think. But yeah. Yeah. Um, for the average guy, to get back to your question, you know, keep it simple. If you're just, know what you're doing. If you're just going out in the desert and having fun, great. Just keep it serviced. Yeah, I mean the bikes nowadays are are good. There might be specific bikes like some of the older ones, or some of the mini bikes are outdated because they don't change them. But every six years or so, yeah, then we can do things. That if you weigh a lot and you got to spring it much heavier, there might not be enough damping inside to control that. So you might have to go in and do some revalving to accommodate the heavier springs. Mm-hmm. But but what about even just? I, I feel like there's guys out there that. You know, ask those questions, and it's like, have you checked your sag where your forks sit in the height, you know, preload compression? The basics, yeah. The basics, and I think a lot of guys don't even know. Read your owner's manual. Your owner's manual is not. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Believe seriously. Not, well, that's amazing. Seriously, I know. It, the owner's manuals nowadays are pretty good about the basic stuff, but most people don't do that. They no. just, like, you get the instructions of how to put a swing set together in the track. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, there's a swing hand, yeah. there's a set there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got this. So read it. You know, it, it's basic information, yeah. and you can and set and sag is sag is a big thing. I always you, tell you, people you can set down one bike, one rider, ten race team mechanics, 
Have them check the sag. You're going to get 10 different numbers. Yeah. But just... As long as it's consistent. You do the same thing. Exactly. Just pick the way you're going to do it. And it's not a space shuttle. It's not rocket science. Just ride the bike, see how you feel, make, make some adjustments, and keep it simple. If you're racing and you're competitive and you want specific stuff done, then yeah, send it out and get it revalved. But it's um, for the average guy, you know, just keep your bike in good shape. Yeah. Because they're all pretty damn good bikes nowadays, right out of the crate. One of my, I think this might be my last racing question. Um, I always thought about this for both you and Mitch, or as a team. Was it difficult seeing young, talented riders, especially when you have to go through the growing pains of taking amateur kids and bringing them as pro athletes. But you guys had a trend of turning those into championship riders, and then they would leave. Hmm. Was that, a, you know, was well, that's, that tough? That's the nature of the sport, because there's, you know, there's amateurs. Well, not and necessarily. I mean, well, technically at Yamaha, they'll try and keep their guy some way, oh, shape, or form. Okay, leave so as you a, guys, so you're going to another team or another brand. Some of, them, some of your guys left and went to Factory Cowie, which yeah. was kind of... That's, that's the goal, that's, right? That's, that's, that's the plan. Yeah. But, I mean, I look over the years, I'm like, man, there were so many good guys, and they went here, there, and everywhere. Like, how was that for you? And then moving forward, did you keep in touch with a lot of those guys? Yeah, for sure, because you, you, you go You're through part a, of it. Yeah, you go through a certain amount of years, and they kind of, you get to know everything about the kid yeah. and their family, and you get to bond with them. Yeah. And some of them are like, whew. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm, no, I bet there were a couple. <laughs> no, but most of them are like, I mean, you, you, I mean, it's tough sometimes. Did you, did, you know? did you did you feel more like that proud parent that watched enjoyed watching them succeed, or was it hard seeing them? Go? Like it's hard to see always, them go sometimes. Yeah, yeah there was. There that's was, what I've always thought. There was there was times where you're like, Dude, this is his last ride for us. I remember just Dean Wilson being. I I always say of all the times, which isn't. Uh, you know, in Roger DeCoster's standards, this isn't a lot, but mo- going to Motocross of Nations, you know, uh, my first every year was at Arne in 2005 yep. with uh, Tedesco. Yep. And then my last year, and there's, I have three favorites. That was the number one, yep. my first year. And then we went to Italy one year with uh, the so-called B team. It was Weimer, Dungey, and Tedesco. I remember that. And we won. And that was awesome because we were the underdogs yep. and we, came out on top and there was a lot of circumstances that led to that and which there always is always this or that yeah and one of my favorites is also the the year we went to latvia and it was just myself aaron johnson and uh jan primo from our shop went there to support dean wilson totally different atmosphere it was just us three going there not even for team usa did you find going there to support oh yeah Going there to support Dean Wilson. We, we stayed in a log cabin on a river. We went to the track. We came out from the track, went to this little restaurant, had chicken for dinner, <laughs> and went back to the log cabin, had a fire at night outside, went to the track, do, 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 did it. I mean, it was just perfect. And, and Dean got, it was kind of a sandy track. Dean was a little bit out of his element, but we got him better, 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 and Dean did awesome. Could have been on the podium and maybe had an outside chance of his team you know, winning, but... It was a great experience, a great time with Dean. That was his last ride for us, and we have a lot of history with Dean Wilson from amateur days, Team Green, through riding on our team. And, yeah, that was a tough one. To, I remember I, I got him to sign me a pair of goggles, you know, when, when he at that race. And, and we're still great friends, and the family as well. So, yeah. yeah, you get these bonds, to answer your question. And, 
it's hard to see them go sometimes. Yeah. But you never really. We're around. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, they, they don't small. really go. Yeah. I, I, I'm more meant like, you know, you work so hard to get these guys to get into the top of the game, and then all of a sudden it's, it's almost like, all right, well, there you go. There's 450s, yeah. or, you know, 250s, whatever it may be over the years. Yeah, but, they're still around where you're, you're maybe proud of them sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, the Carmichael's, you know, a 90. I just, I just always wanted, like, Car- I remember the first you. time yeah. I ever watched Carmichael ride a 60. My cooker came to me at Ponca City. You gotta watch this Carmichael kid. He's doing these doubles out there. I go, no, he's not on a sixty. <laughs> You're crazy. I go, swear to God, he is. Bones go out there, and I'm like, oh my God. And then we started helping Carmichael when he was on mini bikes. Yeah. And that, that was a lot. He's, say, he's yeah. one of my best friends. I was gonna say, to this it, day, it, you know? and if he's he like, needs suspension work, I know who he's gonna call first. <laughs> you know, so. so it's it's a family. I mean, this whole freaking sport's a family. Yeah, you know, it's that's one thing cool about it, and it keeps kids out of trouble. It's yeah, it's got its dramas and it's got its negative points too. But it's overall, it's pretty damn cool sport to be in. It is cool. Well, it's, yeah. it's a tight knit group. Yep. On a, on a positive note, like you talked, that about, was pretty positive. Family, that was pretty positive. Yeah. No, a more positive note. <laughs> you finally got married. <laughs> I did. And you know what's cool about this I whole did. thing is, <laughs> she's sitting over there. Yeah. And. I've I've always loved Debbie. She she's yeah. amazing. And and I met Debbie and and you were telling the story yeah. of her first race that she came to. Oh my god. Was oh five. <laughs> Give us a quick story of that. So, and, and yeah, then, that and was then. that was um so I I had talked to her on the phone a little bit prior to that and then um mutual friend kinda introduced us and uh Terry Fowler. Yep. Um we went to his house and uh kinda hung out for a little bit. I picked her up at her house and we went to Terry's and kinda kind of didn't really we talked a little bit and hung out and terry and i went fishing and came back in and watched a motocross race but we didn't really get to hang out too much oh and you didn't love that as a first date yeah (laughs) (laughs) so bones is there like can you fillet my fish please (laughs) so then well we didn't catch anything so but then so the second time we really hung out was at the national at Glen helen the next weekend uh 2005 and it was the last race of the year no-brainer race it's going to be a good day so she came down, I got her passes, she parked her car inside, and she came over and hung out with us. It's going to be an easy day, right? We got a 30-some point lead This was Tedesco. the year Ivan Tedesco's leading by 30 some points. points, yeah. GL's yeah. on our team riding the new bike. I was just eliminated. I was like 54 points, so I was, I yeah. was out math. But he's riding the new bike, so debuting the new bike. Tedesco's, one of Tedesco's first, or uh, Villapoto's first ever races with our team. He'd, he'd raced a couple others, yep, but he, he was, was there that kid. day. So first moto goes down, and... All of a sudden, I'm on the top of the hill, so I'm the only one that can really see anything because there's tents everywhere and everybody else is in the mechanics area, and I'm like, I don't see Tedesco coming around, you know? So <laughs> I'm like, so Brock Kepler had crashed in the back, and Tedesco had hit his bike, derailed his chain. Rollers. Rollers, yeah, and had to spend, I don't know how much time trying to get the chain back on, which he did, and rode the whole moto, didn't get any points. So we come back, and it's chaos now, where everybody's stressed out, and poor Debbie's sitting there just taking all this in. And had a, did Alessi win that first moto? Yeah. <laughs> a little more drama there because uh, GL was out front. They, they, they were scrapping. Uh, GL passed him at the bottom of the downhill. Leslie just ran him off the track in the next corner right into a water barrier. Then the next uphill, Leslie tried to kick him, and GL got docked. And So there was all this drama with, going and, on. And, with the And then Dino guys. comes in. We got another oh, Dino story. Dino Larry Harry Brooks. Brooks is there, and he's like, "You can't cut the track." And he was talking to me, and Dino just comes up and straight just stiff. Dino arms grabs him. him and just 
Larry Brooks, and Larry moves Brooks back, is gone. And I just see his hands up like, we're cool, we're cool, we're cool, bro. I'm not trying to start a fight. And Donna so was like, is... you don't get in my guy's face. And yeah. I'm like, Donna, we're cool. Like, I just told him where to shove it and we're good. Let's go. <laughs> so we got all this going on and poor, poor Debbie's just sitting back taking all this in. It's the first time ever to race. Like, oh, this I thought wonderful. this was going to be a calm day, right? <laughs> yeah, well, this is just the first fun. moto. It hasn't even yeah. started yet. <laughs> so then we go to the second moto and... And I think uh, it came down to where Tedesco just had to beat Alessi. It was something like that. It was, I think he had to beat him. Well, sorry. Alessi had to beat Tedesco, but it was like three or four positions yeah. difference. Yeah. So, so Ivan was just following him, I thought, right? Wasn't that the deal? Oh, well, I, it was I, nice and calm. I actually had a bird eyes, uh, bird's eye view of, of what happened. Alessi um, who's telling the story? Me. Who's telling the story? Okay. Yes, Jeez. Ahead. My, um, my bad. So, yeah, so the second moto comes around, and Tedesco's going to Matt Walker, who's riding for us, too, and he goes, hey, you got my back, right? Whatever it takes. I got your back, right? And uh, she's, already, she's already sees me stressed out. She's, and I'm on the back of the box truck just about crying. We came into this day so calm, and she's rubbing my back already. Like, It'll be okay. And she would have done that with anybody that's stressed out. But anyway, so we get ready for the second moto, and we go out again. I'm on the hill. And um, Tedesco gets a pretty good start. I think Jeff Alessi hole-shotted come around right and just so happened to be right where she was standing in that turn uh alessi decides well there's tedesco i'm not shutting off and just t-bones and worst t-bone i've ever seen in my life like about broke his leg and uh then like i'm on i can the only one that can see what's going on i'm trying to describe and i saw this too yeah so i'm I actually I'm, anticipated coming you know when you know you can yeah. almost see it's going to happen and i was like holy crap like yeah. alessi almost like Feather the throttle. And no, right there, was no Tedesco there, turned, was, there was no feathering. No, no, no meaning feathering. feathering down the straightaway. Oh, trying to, to line it up, yeah. <laughs> and then went for it. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it so it was, it was just one of those deals. And, and Well, it wasn't one of those deals. It was blatant. But, uh, it was unique. Anyways, it was yeah, a unique we'll at, deal. We'll go with yeah. unique. So. Well, let's not forget about him standing yeah, on that, his bike. Well, no, hey, We're getting there. Who's telling the story? damn story, Donnie? Now sit down and shut the hell up. I'm getting excited. Let the man finish. Just produce, all right? Do what you do over there. So let the cat out of the bag now. But anyway, so I'm, I'm the one that's standing on the hill, the only one that can see this. And, and Mitch and everybody's screaming in the headset, what's going on? What's going on? Well, unless he just T-boned him, they're on the ground. Yeah, he's getting up. He's, he's, he's standing on his bike. Who's standing on I go, unless he's standing on Tedesco's bike. Why? I, <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know. Then what are they doing? I go, they're kind of fighting, but they're not fighting. You know, and I'm trying to say this over the headset, but he's... Yeah, that was hard to translate. I'm like, Tedesco's... He's got the clutch lever. He's not letting go of the clutch lever. And I think unless he's trying to get to the clutch lever. No, he was, yeah, hitting the so clutch. So then uh, I go, now what are they doing? I go, unless he's grabbing his bike, he's going to get up. No, 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 he's not. No, he's not. He's dragging his bike over to the, yeah. now, now he's just put the handlebars through Tedesco's front wheel. What are you talking about? It's coming over the headset, right? It's all, and I go, I don't know how to describe what I'm seeing. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Just so you know, Dino would have launched off the bank and come and save him. Here's them. Debbie standing in this corner, right, watching this whole thing again after the, all the drama in the first moto, thinking, what is this sport all about? That was her introduction to motocross. Motocross <laughs> got a little WWE, yeah. a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, so anyways, then, then here comes Matt Walker around the corner, does a double take, turns around, two, went by and by two or three feet, turns around, Drops his bike, goes back, throws Alessi off of Ivan's bike, allows Ivan to pick his bike up, take off. Guess out of this whole thing, who gets docked? 
it was Matt Walker got docked for going, going backwards, backwards on the track. Before <laughs> Matt Walker turns around or he crashes later and I think he broke his jaw or something. Yeah, he did. he did. I remember that. They had a downhill the back hoop of the section track. in the back. Yeah, but yeah. same same place that Esco went down the first moto. No, that was in the rollers head, not the back. He it's he once you made the, the right and come back and down back through that gully. Yeah. What do they used to call that? Buds Creek. Buds yeah, Creek. something like yeah. that. It's all different now. But anyways, that was getting back to the original. That was my sweet Debbie's introduction. Quite to, a uh, date motocross. He's yeah. quite. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just funny because at least on Bones's timeline, that was that arrow there. So second moto, this is all going down. I'm just out front, and I'm like... Okay, you can go ahead and tell this story. Go thank ahead. God. Like, <laughs> no, you weren't, out, you weren't out front, actually. Villapoto was leading at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ran him down. But you were just... No, you were just following him. And then I passed him and yep. did my thing. I but think you, you, know. you, you were, once again, patience, and you just waited, waited, waited for three quarters of moto. And oh, then that's right. He says... Right-hand turn, left-hand turn, right-hand turn, and you just squared it off. Do you remember how big my gap was when I crossed the finish line? Because I'm trying to remember. I know one. That's all I remembered. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was pretty. And crazy. you won the overall unit after getting docked the first moto. Well, up. after they redocked Alessi <laughs> for kicking, I got you. undocked, <laughs> so I went one one instead of two one. Yeah, yeah. So well, it was quite a day for our first date. And so, then I'm there. I'm like, hey, and she's like, oh, this motocross thing's pretty interesting. I'm so like, to recap, yeah. Bones' uh, dating strategy. Uh, it's fishing, beer, leave you alone at the house, watch the races on TV, <laughs> yeah. and then take you to the weirdest dirt bike race ever. Yeah. Have I pretty much nailed all the facts? But hands down, best thing that's ever happened to me is that girl sitting over there. Uh, that's, I agree. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Debbie's happy for you awesome. guys. Any, any, any mini, mini bones in the future, potentially? <laughs> okay. Next question. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> are we still going to see you at the races? Yeah. I was in Anaheim. Mm. Did see you there? Yep. There you go. But will you fly? Will you fly to I was gonna say. Or we yeah. gotta part, of, part of retiring, <clears throat> or as I put it, officially being retarded, is not getting on an airplane again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Best thing ever. <sighs> yeah. I yeah. I envy you on that one. So we will see you at some. But yeah. Localized. No, I'll be around. But I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm not. Gonna well, you've traveled so much, and 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 one of these days. We're going to have I may go on. to the, I don't know, we haven't talked about it yet, but I may go to the first East Coast race. I was kind of thinking about that, but not sure. Date weekend, Debs? Still here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All That's right. That's a trooper how, right there. How do you want to be remembered in the sport? Mm. I know. That, that's that awkward question. Yeah. Well, listen, you're part of the one of the greatest legacies as far as a race team goes this uh, sport's ever seen. Well, I, I would it, say a ha factory well, Honda on. in the 80s yeah, yeah, and but, then pro circuit. But take, take away, factory is factory. Take that out of the equation. Even factory supported. Pro circuit is the most successful team ever. Yeah. Ever. Well, <clears throat> I've tried to look in, in Europe when they had their factory supported private teams and they won X amount of world titles, but... Yeah, but see, I take when you when you ask me that question, and you're talking about that. I mean, it's you know the customer side of it. I took a lot of pride in that. I mean, mm -hmm. we did. I mean, it's pretty cool to help customers, and to have customer call up and say thank well, you. Think about it. Racing, you know, is and, there. Yeah, and in theory, it's and to our help customers race, our customers customer. ride. You know, yeah. and, and I went to a lot of desert races. You know, and being a part of the desert community and desert family, those some really cool people out there. And we still we still go out to the desert races sometimes and. Just hang out out there. and well, We want to put a, a team together one of these days. We do? 24-hour race. 
Well, we, we, I was, I was going to say, we're not going to go into the 24-hour race first, but I know you love to be out there. So if we put a team together. About 12 paying, hour. 12 hour? I was thinking six. But, okay. But, <laughs> and I was thinking maybe six, then 12, then 24. But you know what? You know, I want to do it. I want to be out there no, campfiring, having a good time. Be that, was one of the best, that was one of the best. Ooh, team manager to, bones. Yeah. When we used you don't to have do, to fly. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And, and as soon as you retired, we're not going to pay you because that's, right? Like, that's one <laughs> no, thing you, you cannot yeah, do is pay the yeah. retired guy. But when we used to do the 24-hour race, that was a cool shop bonding experience because it was not all of a sudden about the race team anymore. You know, the service yeah. department built a bike. That's what we needed to do. People from the office, people from the warehouse, people from the race team came out and helped. And you're out there and you're in charge of building the bonfire. You're in charge of food. You're in charge of it. But it was just, it was a yeah. cool morale booster for the whole shop. And I miss those days. Dave Chase usually... The late great Dave Chase usually took that one by the by the horn and, and spearheaded that project, and it was an awesome deal. Um, but yeah, I, I miss those days, and I think we should do that again. Let's make it That'd happen. Whiskey throttle team. Yeah, absolutely. But to get back to your question, I mean, this looks like one of the final ones, but that'll be it good. Is. But uh, um, you, you know, I guess I, I guess uh, you know, uh, as far as suspension is concerned, whether it's race team, customer, whatever, I mean. There's a couple things that happened to me um, early on, I should say. I mean, uh, that made me. One of them I told you about Roger DeCoster, that story. That mm-hmm. that was a motivating factor. But on the on the flip side of that, there was a couple things that happened that made me. And a and a and I guess this would be this would be going out to anybody that wants to get into suspension in particular and wants to do anything like that. If you're gonna if you're going to tackle something like that and you're going to be, that's going to be your passion. Give it your heart and soul. Do it a hundred percent. Be anal about it. Like do it. Like I, I used to tell the kids that worked for me, you're, you're working on that shock or set of forks. Pretend that's either that that's your bike you're working on or your shock you're working on. And you're going to just do everything absolutely perfect, including right down to putting that sticker on straight and doing everything bitching and make it like, this is your baby going out the door. Mm-hmm. You, and you got to treat every set of suspension, no matter who it's for like that. Because if you don't, you take a chance on getting someone hurt. Mm-hmm. Like you're the last person that touches the suspension. Mm-hmm. And if you fuck up, yeah. you're taking the chance on getting someone hurt. And I had a couple scares when I was young that molded this into me. And that's what I love about Adam because he's passionate about this. He wants everything to be perfect too. And, it's hard to find a guy like that, and, and, to, and it's, hard, it's even harder to instill that passion into someone if they don't already have it. There was a couple things that happened to me early on um, was a, that I thought I, I fucked up. I, I jacked this up, and I got someone hurt. And trust me, you don't want that feeling laying on your shoulders. Yeah. You don't want to feel that way. There, there was a, a guy named Jeff Hicks that rode for us back in the day, and I think I mentioned his name earlier in this deal. And, you know, he got hurt at Blythe, Arizona, broke his jaw. And Jimmy Perry and I had to drive him back to Orange County to go to the hospital, take him to the hospital. And he was jacked up. And the whole way back, I'm thinking, I did this to this guy, right? And I don't wish that feeling on anybody. No one needs to have that laying yeah. on their shoulders. Took the shock apart later. It wasn't anything I did wrong. But with, when I took that shock apart, I found something that I felt I should have caught. It was a flaw in the shock from the manufacturer that caused a problem. And I felt like, you know, I didn't, I didn't jack up. 
but man, I should have done a better job. I should have dug into this thing. I should have taken it all the way apart instead of maybe halfway apart and just done the valving. You know, I should have gone in every inch of the shock and checked everything. Mm. And maybe I could have caught that. Maybe not, because it was kind of a small thing. But that that scare instilled into me to do a good job. Another friend of ours, Dean Gibson, worked for um, Joel Albrecht when he was young. Joel Albrecht crashed at Mammoth one, one year. I remember that crash. He was in a coma for a while. Yeah. So we were, we were there helping riders. Mitch was there and everything. And Dean Gibson pushed his bike by our truck, and I was standing there as they're hauling Joel off in a stretcher. And he pushed up and down on the shock on the back of the bike, and it was a pogo stick, just solid oh. spring. And that was, I went, I went to the hospital, saw him, Mitch came down. I remember bawling my ass out in the back of the hospital. Mitch trying to console me. That was the last day I was ever working on suspension. Not going to touch yeah. any suspension ever again. Don't want that. Took that shock apart when we finally got back to the shop. And realized that I'd done nothing wrong. This, this shock broke during the crash. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Big scare for me. Yeah. Nevertheless. Um, again, Dean Gibson was working for Craig Decker at Vegas Supercross one year when Craig Decker crashed and broke his back. And Craig Decker and Dean was scared to death. Remember, I came over and jumped up in the box truck and he pushed down on the shock and I go, dude, that's the same thing as Joel. I get, like, Dean, this did not happen. This wasn't the cause of the his crash. crash caused the break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was even a, there was even a, a videotape of that specific crash that came out, um, well, it was a video about pros at play or something like that, and it showed a lot of cool stuff, and it was a cool video. But part, and it showed a lot of crashes, but a cliff jumps, and a lot of people doing cool stuff, but during part of that video, it showed that crash. When you played it in slow motion, you saw Craig's bike cartwheel come down on the back of the bike, and it hyperextended. Yeah, yeah. And instantly, you saw oil <clears throat> spray out of the shock, and you saw the thing snap apart in this video, <clears throat> which is, and over the years, I've seen that scenario happen uh, a few times. And um, you kind of, we actually used that videotape, but customers would send their shock in or they'd come in and say, man, I was riding a cartwheel and I got up and the shock broke. And I think, you know, that caused me to crash, right? And so we'd look into it and we'd call the guy back and I said, and you can, you can just look at the parts and prove it easily. Yeah. And I say, and watch this video. And they're like, oh, okay. So I just crashed and then the shock broke. I go, yes. You know, it's not made to go in that direction. Right. If you hit down the back of the swing or back of the tire with a certain amount of force yeah. and you go through the linkage, but point for this is these examples early on in my career told me you 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 can't jack with this stuff if you're going to do this it's got to it's oh beyond like anal you got to be anal about it you got to do everything perfect like i said you got to treat it as though it's your shock or 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 if you got a kid or your your sons or your your son's shock or your whoever but You got it. You can't jack around with this stuff. So, if I could leave anything, assuming this is the last question, uh, if I could leave anything with someone that wants to do, whether it's suspension or you know, an engine work or anything like that, dude, if you're going to do it, get it on. Like, do yeah. it the best you can do it. And, and because, you know, it's one thing if you're going to ride it, yeah, you don't want to get yourself hurt, but you're going to take, typically, you're going to take pride in it if it's your own bike. You're going to do it all bitching, anyways. But, if you're doing this for someone else, whether it's a business you have or you're working for a company that has a business, do it the best you can freaking do it. Yeah. And that's 
you could take the chance on getting someone hurt if you don't, but just take pride in what you do. Be, be proud of it. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I tried to do this as I, you know, went through my career. So to quote the great Ron Swanson, don't half-ass anything, whole ass one thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Bones, I, I think you've always done that, man. I mean, uh, you mentioned being very, you're very particular and uptight, and sometimes <coughs> when you're sitting at a test track waiting for you to build a shock, it can be like, come on. But I know you're up there yeah. making sure it's right. Nothing the, is rushed. But nothing he only is did it shortcut. because he wanted to make it better. It's, it's not like he got a bonus if <laughs> He's not working by the better. hour. Yeah. yeah, I know. I mean... It really is. It's something cool, and I think, you know, you talk about younger generations, and sometimes I feel like one thing I love about our older generation is they instilled work ethic in certain things, and it's like moving forward. It's like keep that work ethic going. You know, if you're determined and you put your heart and soul into it and you have half a brain, Bones has three quarters, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now he's got a full one. After, enough, opinion, after enough beer, it goes down to about half. Yeah. <laughs> but even with... A bunch of beers down the street. I'm telling you, this guy is a suspension guru, and I, for my brief time with him was incredible. I know you got to work with him, and and it was also just awesome to have you here, Bones, and opening yeah, up. I appreciate and it. Well, it's Debbie, always a pleasure, and so happy we got the guy to pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had one last question, and Debbie can chime in. Have you been to a banquet, like an awards banquet, or a wedding without a hat <laughs> since she started losing hair? Uh, well, actually, when did he lose, start losing actually, his hair? 80s? I've never seen Bones in a actually, pair of shorts. Actually, there's a couple pictures in that scrapbook. Well, there's one picture in there. Oh, uh, you actually, were a ladies' I'm a, I'm man gonna, at one point. I'm going to take that, that picture out so you don't post it, but there's oh, a picture. I, I won't say Grab this. the <laughs> album. Grab it. Don't let him get there's, it. I will tell one little quick story before we go. Mm. We were staying at a hotel. This had to be, I want to say it was like Indy 95 or something. I was riding a 250 on the East Coast, and I was staying in a hotel with Bones. might have been summertime, actually. I don't remember what the race was, but I'm staying in a hotel with Bones. And, you know, it's Bones, like a T-shirt, hat, and jeans. White shoes, always. Same I mean, thing. that's just like the uniform. Reeboks, like I'm wearing now, but these are black. <laughs> so he, he comes out of the bathroom in nothing but tidy whiteies. <laughs> and his legs are so skinny, they're like spooling around inside on the leg holes, you know. And it was like, it was like meeting a new person. <laughs> I'm like, Who are you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Bones, I, I, but there's a picture in there of me at a banquet with Goat Brecker, and and I'm wearing a hat too. So yeah, we're we're gonna. I think my buddy Chappie actually. Yeah, I think my buddy Chappie when he got married, um, I wasn't his uh, his his wife's sister ran the wedding, and I had to take my hat off for like an hour for the ceremony, and then right back on. Yeah. That might have been it. Oof. Well, listen, Watch buddy. Uh, not only are you an amazing... Yeah, uh, I got to wear my hat at our wedding. So. You're an amazing professional at what that. you've done. Good job, Debbie. Yeah. But I just hey, want to say... don't interrupt him. He's talking. I just want to say also, Bones, you're, you're one of the most genuine human beings I've ever met. Nah. Um, just a, a, a genuine, sweet human being. And uh, sweet. I, don't, oh. I don't say it all about it. Truly. I mean, would you agree with that? Before, sweet? You're going to throw sweet in there, well, too? Bef- <laughs> well, before you meet him... I don't him, care. You know, I'm mad enough to well, say Bones that. Is you're not, a very, Bones I, is not the social guy that comes up and goes, hey, man, I know we're racing against you, but we're all good and uh, all the best. No, but he's... He'll blow by. But the minute I met Bones, it was like things changed dramatically. And then I got to work with him and, and got to know you. And, and I was like, man... And I've told Bones this, and sometimes I think he thinks I'm full of shit, but he was... When I went to Pro Circuit, I thought Mitch. When I got there... Mitch is what I expected, but I found bones. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, I found a bike. I can work with someone that can make a bike handle. 
I'd left KTM and we know some of the early issues and that, but working with him was like, it literally was like Pandora's box. It just opened up another world where I was like, I can ride supercross. I'm not that bad in whoops. I can do this. So anyway, for whatever it's worth, it helped, I think, form my supercross career. When both my titles, and, I, and honestly, no disrespect, Mitch, I knew what I was getting with you, but I felt like with Bones, he was that cherry on top that took me to that level that I needed. So... From until, me to you, and, it was huge. Until I threw a tie spring at you, and then poof. And then he lied, and oh, man, <laughs> shit got real. <laughs> I didn't tell you this. He didn't want me to... Uh, Do you know yeah, what this so guy did to me one time? End of the day, it's, this is a sundown situation out at the, t- at the Moisture's rising. Last times are dropping. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm having something with the shock I'm trying to... He, and he goes, let me try this. And he futzes with some clickers. Yeah. Give, me, give me that a try. And I go out. I'm like, yeah, I think it's a little better. He went in two clicks and then just went back out two clicks. Yeah. But I told you afterwards. Yeah, you he did. That made me on. look like an asshole first. So there's never in, yeah. in my career. There's only two people that I've ever 100% jacked with them and never told them. The tie spring with you, I, like Dino goes coming back. He goes, "You got to tell him. You can't tell him. You can't tell him. It was way better." I go, "If you tell him, he's not going to want to run it." And I go, "I, I got to tell him." I said, "I can't have a rider not tr- find out later and not." Then he feels like he can't trust me, and that's the worst thing for a suspension guy. So you, you're in a rock, between a rock and a hard place yeah. at times. Larry Ward, uh, one time I jacked with him. And he he, he put a tie spring on. No, it no. It had to do with a shock spring, though. But, no, yeah. I'm saying with me. Oh, yeah. He put I a do, tie yeah. spring on and then said, no, no, that's not a tie. And I'm like, okay, cool. I like it. He's like, it's tie. <laughs> <laughs> he waited. He's like, cool. We'll run with that. Then a few months later, he's like, you no, know, was it was the next day because I, I couldn't go to the race with it like that. I couldn't. T- I I told you. That and then we day. went back. Yeah, of course we did. Yeah, you wouldn't run it. No, at first he was bullheaded about it. Well, you know that old saying. I tried like, it on the KTM and I didn't like it. I'm like, I don't uh, care. This isn't a KTM. He <laughs> <laughs> told me it's not a fucking KTM, <laughs> and he's like, it's totally different. But I think what he realized is he's probably wrong. But if that's what he wants, <laughs> just make the kid happy. Yeah. Well, no, there was plenty of times like that where 100% it looks better, your lap times are better, and I wasn't always a guy like, I, I didn't dwell on lap times because I, it's just one lap, you yeah. know? If I felt like Race you could consistently yeah. do the whole moto like that, but it, there's been times where I felt like, okay, it's got all the check marks, it's got faster lap times, it's, it looks consistent, better, and it's yeah. consistent through a whole moto, not just one lap, but still... There was something that a rider didn't like about it, and I'm like, I, I'm giving it this because he's riding the bike. He's got to. He's the guy twisting the throttle. He's got to feel comfortable. And if if I'm going to give this up just for his comfort that or confidence, hey, that's probably a bigger plus right there. Yeah. As long as it's not a second, you know, if it's a tenth or two, you know, give it up. But I think that's what made you who you are. <laughs> you gave us every opportunity, and at the end of the day, like you just said, you let us. Whether it was right or wrong, go if that's what you're happy with, we'll we'll start with that. Yeah. Even though deep down I feel like you knew I'm gonna pressure him onto trying this again. I think we got you. I have to look back at my spec book. Don't I probably can. I He'll sort through the notes. I think tonight. we yeah, eventually got you on that spring. Somewhere in that black book, there's some uh, yeah. some comments. Well, Bones, thank you for coming on yeah, the show. I know this wasn't uh, this was out of your comfort zone, yeah. but uh, I'm stoked to call you a friend, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, here. you guys too. Well, right. that's what made it. That's what made it easier. Because. You bribed me a little bit. I've <laughs> the been turning. Well, the mountains are not blue anymore, so I guess it's time. Yeah, we wrap it up. I'll crack another one open. I've been turning yes. Mathis down for a few years like this, so I'm like, oh my god. Well, you guys did a good job bribing me, so I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. 
All right. Well, thanks again. That's been uh, Bones from Pro Circuit, uh, our good buddy. We'll be back uh, to wrap up the show. Stay tuned. I want to introduce you guys to PowerDot, a wireless muscle stim unit that is controlled by an app on your phone. It's incredibly simple. This is something I've used for a little over a year now to help with arm pump and nagging injuries, and I've had amazing results with it. They recently worked with Adam Cianciarillo to help rehab his knee after surgery. He had an ACL replaced, and after talking to him, it's something he swears by. He's adamant that this is the one thing that got him back on the bike quicker and got him healthy. So if you have any muscle pain, any nagging injuries, or you want to recover the best way possible, head over to PowerDot.com forward slash Whiskey Throttle for a chance to win a free unit or get 20% off your next purchase. That's PowerDot.com forward slash Whiskey Throttle for 20% off and a chance to win. You can thank me later. 4WP is more than a store. We're truck and Jeep experts. From wheel and tire upgrades to full custom builds, 4WP has you covered. Do your rig right. Shop online or find your store at 4WP.com. Counting all the assholes in the room. Well, I'm definitely not alone. Well, I'm not alone. You're a liar, you're a cheater, you're a fool. Well, that's just like me, ooh. And I know you too, Mr. Perfect, says my little friend. All right, all right, we're back. Uh, what a great conversation with Bones. What a good dude. And you know, too, there was a lot more stories. I know. You know, <laughs> we're trying to keep these things a reasonable length. We could sit and talk for Bone, with Bones for hours. He, he told me before the show started, he goes, don't ask me a Matt Walker story because that'll take up the whole show. <laughs> He's got them for days. Um, we might have to just have some of these people. I have on. a couple of Matt Walker stories too. Hey, maybe we should just have Matt Walker in. I'm yeah, yeah, maybe we just need to get Matt in. But it's like there's all the Ronnie Lachine questions from the earlier days, and then all the Matt Walker questions <laughs> from. It's like pre two thousand. What do they it's do all that, about that, uh, Six degrees of bacon separation. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's uh, going to have to be with Matt Walker and Ronnie Lachine. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into our Decal Works last call session. Um, we caught up today with Austin Forkner, and uh, this is a kid who is riding for Bones' uh, pro circuit race team, and I'm, I got this kid pegged to win this East Coast Championship. He was blazing fast last year, had some rookie moments, but um, as you'll see in this interview, I kind of caught up with him and asked him if, if he had learned anything from last year. I can tell you from watching him today, he looks smooth as butter. I feel like he's ready to go. So let's, uh, let's jump into that. Decal Works, these guys selling you graphics, plastic, seat covers, garage mats, accessories, anything you need. You can find custom stuff. We're going to have whiskey throttle graphics that you can buy for your bike that are going to be insane. We've been working on with uh, a design on those guys. Really cool stuff coming from them. Decalworks.com. They are going to be giving away tickets to our next live show, which is next week. Get onto our website, whiskeythrottleshow.com. Fill out the form in there to uh, where all the entry. It's it's one entry form for all of the giveaways. We're going to be pulling names out of that. So get in there and sign up. Five yeah. free tickets to next week's show. Uh, it's going to be a good one. So the decal works. Last call. Let's get into it. All right, we're out here with uh, Austin Forkner. Austin, you're you're prepping for your East Coast run. It's coming up a few weeks away. How are things going so far? Uh, super good. Um, we've been doing a decent amount of testing, trying to get the bike good, and the bike is the best it's been. Um, everybody tells me that uh, I'm looking that the best. I'm looking the best I've I've ever looked, and uh, I feel the best. 
that I have. Um, I kind of switched up my program a little bit this year. Uh, started working um, like only with uh, Robbie Raynard, and uh, he has a, a fitness uh, guy that, that he works with. So I'm just working with with those guys this year, and, and I feel the best I ever have on the bike. Um, bike feels good, team's good. Um, so yeah, just finishing up prepping, um, getting ready for East Coast, obviously now, but was kind of getting ready for, for West Coast, kind of like started to taper off a little bit and then found out that I wasn't doing West Coast. So now I'm pretty much back on the grind. Now you mentioned earlier, you, when you rolled up here, you got really sore legs. You guys doing a lot of strength training still at this point in the year? Yeah. Well, well just now we, we backed it down, um, the, a couple weeks leading into A1 because I still wasn't sure what coast I was doing but now that we know obviously like we're back to going hard I think Robbie's plan was to go hard for like three weeks like three more weeks all basically like boot camp training like all out and then the last couple weeks before East Coast starts to taper back off so I think that's his plan and, and I, at least I hope I mean I hope that's it. I hope we're not going to go much harder than this because I, I'm, I'm definitely feeling it. It's this pushing you pretty hard. Yeah, well, we're going from a week where it's like, all right, this is a taper-off week. Like, we're not really – you're just going to kind of have fun on the bike, work on sections, like not really do a whole lot off the bike getting ready for A1. Didn't do A1, so now it's like, all right, now we're just ramping straight back up. So it's like it's just going from not doing a lot into a lot. And, it. I mean, it, I'll be fine in, by, like, next week, but always, like, the first week of kind of coming back up is always uh, it's a pretty rough week. Just Tough to adjust sore. to that. Yeah. What did you learn from last year? Um, Looking back at your Supercross season. I, I was good until um, – I kind of got the red plate, I feel like, and then um, until I was was up there, I was in, like, a good position. Um, whenever I was behind, coming in from the first race at Dallas, I got, like, seventh or something, so I had to, like, catch back up to those guys, and I, whenever I was doing that, I was good. It was just whenever I kind of got up there with those guys that I kind of started to melt down a little bit, and especially at Minneapolis. Um, that was, like, that was basically the end of it, but um, I just need to I feel like I wasn't quite as solid whenever I was whenever everything was clicking off like it was kind of the second third fourth round those like were my best races I won two of them got third in the in the uh at Daytona I think that was the fourth round um when it was going good it was going good but like if something went wrong I I wasn't I didn't I guess adjust to it as well as I should have and then that led to more mistakes and more mistakes so I just been working I feel like this year um I've been working on technique a lot just um, because if if uh, I start to, if I get f- like flustered or frustrated out there, I feel like I just hang it out more and then that, I lose the perfect technique yeah. and then that can lead to more crashes and more mistakes. So One thing that I've watched when I see rookie kids or newer kids, sophomores even, as soon as they let emotion into the equation in their riding, it goes south. Yeah. You have to just focus on technique and riding the track, right? Um, when you start thinking, "Oh no, I'm I I got to catch up. I'm going to lose the plate, you know, the red plate." That's when it, it comes unraveled. Yeah, that's it's like you just got to worry about you and ride your laps and and worry about you don't want to worry about oh I'm going to lose the red plate. I'm going to be three points down, five points down after this race. You should be worried about having being on the balls of your feet in the whoop section like this this lap. So. Like you, you just can't think of any of that stuff, and I feel like maybe I did that a little bit, and then and then 
I would be like, all right, I'm three points down right now. I, I, if I would crash, then I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm seven, I'm ten points yeah. down now. Like, this is even worse. Like, I'm just, <laughs> and then I would just start to do that and just start to fall apart. So it's a terrible time to do math when you're out there. Yeah, riding. you know, no, doing math. No. And, and no one's susceptible to it, or everyone is. Look at Adam Cincerillo this past weekend, a seasoned rider uh, at Anaheim One. Yeah, he, he, he let emotion in. You yeah. know, he had a first turn mishap and he panicked. And those first handful of laps were as ugly as anything I've ever seen. <laughs> he pulled it together, but that's the stuff you want to avoid, right? Yeah, just, just, I, I, I saw actually a few guys this, this weekend just really like overriding the track, like in practice and, the, and even some of them in the race. Like, I mean, Nichols won because he was the most solid. He just, he just rode. Like I was watching him and he wasn't doing anything special. He was just riding, clicking off his laps, doing the rhythms, doing everything. And where the other guys were trying to override, I feel like, and it, it wasn't working. So that's, that's what, um, I feel like everybody is, there's so much hype on a one and stuff that everybody just thinks that they need to just go in and just go crazy. But, um, if you just like mellow out, then that might, I mean, obviously that works better. Well, you're certainly a title contender. Uh, best of luck this season. Any, anything you're doing last minute to, to prep and be ready? Or just following Robbie's advice? Just going with Robbie's advice right now. Um, we've been doing a lot. Um, me and my uh, actually like training partner slash house like roommate guy, um, we've been doing a lot more of mountain biking, but not not like cross-country mountain biking, like actually like downhill like style mountain biking lately. And And I feel like that has helped a little bit just just because it's it's more realistic to dirt bikes as far as how you have to move the bike and you're still getting a good workout like we've been doing all our bike rides like that lately and 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 um as long as you don't do anything stupid and take a chance of getting hurt then i feel like yeah i mean it can only help you so that's it's fun right yeah that's what it's fun it's, it's a lot funner than just sitting in one spot and pedaling for two hours on a road bike so hey man well good luck this season but yeah. we're anxious to watch it thanks all right. Well, good to hear from that kid. He sounds like he is uh, getting ready, prepped. He's got Renard working with him. and he's, uh, he's, He sounds like he's more polished, more matured. Almost like if you listen to him, he knows the mistakes he's made. And um, it's going to be interesting. 2019 East Coast, I'll tell you what. Like you said, he's got speed. No one's doubting that. Yeah. Maybe he's matured enough and. To a, you know, a complete championship yeah. material type rider. He said something. He said uh, after A1, he got a call from Cincerillo and just said, hey, uh, so did you learn anything from your teammate tonight? <laughs> <laughs> so those two obviously uh, joking around with each other. Hopefully, uh, and it's like what I told him is just, man, keep the emotion out of it. Stay calm and ride. Just ride your point. motorcycle. It's a yeah. very good point. All right, let's jump into our four-wheel parts get-at-me Q&A segment. If you've got a question for GL or I, Send them to us, ping at thewhiskeythrottleshow.com, gl at thewhiskeythrottleshow.com, uh, or just send them to info at thewhiskeythrottleshow.com. Just send them. Hit them on, hit it on our Twitter account. Yeah. You want to go ahead with that name, our handle? Oh, it's w underscore throttle underscore show. <laughs> ping loves this one. <laughs> and I finally remembered it. Oh, you got it. It's you nailed it, buddy. But you just, did it. But just go you and search it. Whiskey Throttle. <laughs> And we do come up now because we're, we're kind of big deals. I think. Hit us on Twitter. Get us some questions or our Instagram, at Whiskey Throttle Show. Um, anything you got on your mind, whether it's the races on the weekends, just something in general. And if you can't find it, just hit us up personally. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll translate that over. We'll, uh, we'll give GL's address, home address here at the end of the show. You can swing by. <laughs> uh, 
Four Wheel Parts is your one-stop shop for everything off-road. Truck, Jeep, buggy, van, whatever you take Sprinter. off-road. Lamborghinis, yeah. it does it, whatever you like to drive in the dirt, they've got it for you. You're looking for light bars, steps, uh, you know, hitches, winch, whatever you want, whatever you got, they got it. Uh, fourwheelparts.com, check those guys out. Uh, big supporter of the Trilly Designs Race team, big supporter of our show. Uh, we appreciate everything that those guys do for us. And they sell Method Race Wheels, Dunlop Tires. So get yeah. over there and check them out. <clears throat> what do we got, Donnie? You got our, uh, our questions for this week, so let's hear them. Well, you know, this one uh, actually I've been hearing quite a bit lately. Um, do you guys have uh, whiskey throttle shirts and hats available from uh, Dustpad815? <clears throat> They're coming. Um, we have some... Uh, just with our logo and sort of a cool, simple design coming. We're working right now to get those produced and um, get the distribution set up. So details well, will be coming It's also cool soon. that people are asking for it. And I guess in the beginning, we didn't want to just throw a logo on a show. Actually, starting to get, I didn't want to, like, the last couple of shows, like, even after the first show, people were like, hey, where are the shirts? Where are the hats? Yeah, we'll get it. We're going to have a full line of merchandise and stuff coming, um, but... It's just going to take a little bit of time. So give we, us a minute. Maybe we, a week or two, we'll have that stuff available for you. And we'll we like you know. Red Bull. We like to create the want. That's right. <laughs> Creating a demand first, yeah. folks. Business 101 right here. So keep, keep an eye out. They're coming. This is actually a, a question, actually, that's also kind of getting a lot, and that is, who was your guy's surprise over this weekend? Cooper Webb for me, hands down. <clears throat> as much as I appreciated Colt Nichols' ride and, uh, and Barsha's, uh, Cooper holy crap, man, he was quietly he was on a the gas. Assassin. When I saw him go down, I was like, ah, shoot, that's too bad. That, I, I that's a bummer for him. And I didn't even pay attention after that. And then at the <clears> end, I'm like, wait, was he, was he on the lead lap? I've yeah. never seen him come through the pack like that before. Well, he did it on his 250 all the time. He no, was no, but I'm, I'm talking about on the big bike. Yes. Yeah. 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 Different story. I never saw him... I never saw him look that good, and it was sloppy, muddy mess. I never saw him look that good on his Yamaha 450. So that's, to me, I was, I'm excited to watch him race, uh, you know, on, on a regular track and see how he does. Um, big, big surprise for me. I would agree with that. Um, he was, you know, because the 450s came on later, he was the only guy doing the double-double, even with traffic in that, down that sort of where the start wrapped around, but... Those were two big jumps, and a lot of guys were just sort of scrubbing and then double single again. He was nailing it, and he looked like a, a man on a mission. And sometimes going down the first turn can do that because you, you throw out the, I'm going to pace myself and do this and that. You just ride like an angered man, and you get those results. So curious to see how he does. Um, but I agree with you to that extent. But I'm going to go with uh, Colt Nichols. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's never won a race. He's never won a race. No, that was his first one. I know he's been up there and he's shown some speed and he's shown this, he's shown that. He's had a lot of injuries too. Yes, yes. That's one thing about Colt. For a smooth rider, every year he seemed to have almost had that injury that I think right when he was getting up there, it pulled him back. And right when he was getting back to where you want to be, it pulled him back. But watching him, I forget how many laps they did, but it was probably roughly 15 laps. And, And we talked about it early in the show. It was just robotic and I think that was something that was uh to me just like wow you know there's one thing winning your first race but a lot of times it's not the most elegant or most beautiful thing and that was just picture perfect and so moving forward I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he can do the remainder of the season because you watch him you're like why 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 aren't we talking about him more one race can help you do that a lot 
let's see when everyone's sort of, uh, I like to, as I like to say, when it gets more evened up by another roof, track conditions the same, blah, blah, blah. You'll see more riders in that aspect. And, and the other thing is, how's he going to do if he doesn't get the start? But Nichols, for me, watching that race in those sloppy conditions was like, it was a real wow moment for me. Hmm. He almost looked like he wasn't in the wet. No, he looked like he was, he was the reigning champion. Like you, you would have thought he would have had a, one on, a big fat one on the bike the way he rode. So to me, he was my guy, but I do agree. Cooper Webb, I remember at the end going, I thought that I was actually a crash. really impressive ride. I feel like saying I wished I would have focused on him more during the race, yeah. but I agree with you. He came through, and in fact, I think somewhere in that latter half of the race, I think he was, if you took the last 10 laps of that main event, I think he was the fastest guy on track. He had the on fastest average. lap uh, of the night, I believe. So, so. That's exciting moving forward, though. You know, you talk about these questions, who's who, who's what. Cincerello's going to bounce back. Nichols is on fire. We know McElrath is fast. There's many other riders there. And then the 450, to me, I'm like, you got Marvin, you got Eli, you got Jason, you got yeah. Bosch. It, it's a good time to be a motorsport fan. Yeah, for sure. All right, what else we got? <clears throat> well, this one is uh, kind of, I've never heard this before, but uh, what, uh, what do you guys think of NBC uh, telling Dean Wilson he can't run his sponsor logo on his mic? I heard a little bit about this. So NBC shut down Dean Wilson. Did they make him block out the logo or something? Or what was the deal? He, he's sponsored by a company that sells CBD oil. Uh, CBD oil is, is produced from a marijuana plant, does not have THC, the, the element that makes it worth taking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it, it has... Uh, they, they say that it reduces inflammation, it helps um, uh, level out moods, you know, it's got all the, it's the new wonder drug. Uh, so a lot of po companies popping up uh, with that stuff, and, uh, and you know, people swear by it. I, in, in fact, uh, I know Jeff Ward is a big, big yep. fan of it. Um, he would get really bad migraines, and he says that's, that's taken those away and uh, helped with his arthritis, just joint pain. So... Uh, I mean, this is just corporate America, right? I mean, uh, that the California's quite liberal, so we, this stuff comes here, and it, it's like, okay, yeah, CBD, okay, big deal. But Midwest states, maybe that's not as well accepted. They don't want to see that promoted. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a slippery slope, you know? Um, what do you think? You know, you hit the nail on the head, I think, in the first episode when you said people were disappointed with the TV package. And you said, you know, it was, I think it was the way they presented it. And maybe this was one of those situations where it wasn't handled 100%. I did hear about this, and I don't know the facts, so I don't want to say this is exactly how it went down. But he was told to cover it up because I saw Dean and, um, you know, his girlfriend, Sarah. I was there in the VIP section which was cool, it was an easy up and a little heater and on their <laughs> fake grass. And I'm like, this is cool. And they're like, come on in, GL, hang out. And it was nice. But I did hear about some of the, some, uh, you know, what was going down. And I think it comes back to delivery. And I don't know if NBC actually know what that company is or is about. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, like you said, we're on this fine line nowadays where anything that has the, you know, five 
leaf plant or the, the marijuana association gets people a little bit woked up or fired up or where's the line. What but you can sell boner pills in NASCAR yeah, yeah. or cigarettes and beer, and that's not a problem. NBC's, NBC's point, uh, some of their point was at least that it wasn't an FDA-approved uh, drug yet. Which I do believe that is not true right. now because, at least what I've seen on the news, it is. But moving forward, I think this will probably... You know sometimes that old saying, people react... And just go, well, if we don't know enough, no. I'm sure there'll be a conversation, there'll be some discussion, and hopefully people will get an understanding of who and what. I went and looked at uh, that company Ignite's uh, you know, social media page, and I thought, oh, you know, it's interesting, it's cool. But I could see why people would think that this is <laughs> a little bit different, because a lot of what it seemed to be from face value looked like the not-so-good side of things. And... And theoretically, I think things have changed. And even with these plants, they found a way to separate them and, and, they, and they grow these out of hemp, which is not the, as you call the good side of it, but the helping side. You know, when people say, I'm not smoking to get higher, bro. I'm doing it for medicinal reasons. <laughs> I got cataracts. Yeah. <laughs> got to give me some for them cataracts. Yeah. I got a hematoma. <laughs> and, you know, and people took it to that other extreme. And now people are saying, wait a minute, there is this scientific area that it helps you but i still think to quote a, a really useless hashtag too soon maybe it was just too soon for a new network that well, didn't know enough i, I, that I didn't want to offend people and i know nbc they're certainly on the more conservative side as in if this could be a, an issue they'd rather not touch it I hope that they figure it out because so do I. it sucks for Dean Wilson, who I, I don't know Privateer, what will happen, yeah. but he's he's relying on some of that, those funds to get to the races. and He can use every dollar that they're Yeah, so for, for NBC to jam him up like that, I, I think sucks. And so I, think, I hope they'll do a little research, maybe come to some type of agreement. NBC where, should give him some money, the money that uh, they're taking out of his pocket. Yeah, yeah, you don't like this sponsor. Fund the, fund yeah, the rest yeah, of my Yeah, you just program. took my sponsor away. You got to give me some money. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. We'll keep... Keep on top of that, and uh, maybe in the next show, give you an update on it. Okay, that's it. That's all we got? Yep. All right. Cheap night. Well, that's our show. Yeah, that's our show, guys. Um, Listen, a big thank you to Jim Bones Bacon. It's weird to call him Jim Bacon, huh? He sounds scrumptious. Jim Bacon. He sounds, deli- so he sounds good. Hey, I didn't sounds think- like something I need on my sandwich I, I, next time. I want a Jim Bacon. His name is is like like Bono. It's just one name, you know? It's like Bones. That's it. Bones. Bones. Yeah. Uh, oh, Bones. Oh, precious Bones. We really appreciate him taking the time to come in. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you to PowerDot for sponsoring the show, for sponsoring Bones coming in. Uh, go to PowerDot.com. Buy one of these things. You will not regret it, I promise. Whiskey Throttle is your code to get a 20% discount. Thank you to Method Race Wheels, MethodRaceWheels.com. You can go in there again. Our website, their website. Find that uh, Sign Up and Win tab. Fill that out. Get it. Get signed up to win that uh, Dirtfish Rally Driving School. It's going to be amazing. Troiler Designs, Decal Works, Dunlop, four-wheel parts, Paleo Ranch, Langston Motorsports. Uh, check us out on Instagram, at Whiskey Throttle Show, or Twitter. Go ahead. At W underscore throttle underscore show. Easiest name to remember. You got it. Or you can send us an email at uh, info at thewhiskeythrottleshow.com. Uh, thank you for watching again. Thanks to Bones. Thanks, boys. Donnie, GL. Good night, guys. Same time next week. We'll see you.